0: production.
1: All right, all right, is everyone on the call now? Candy, AM, you around with me? Mm Sure, All right, this is going to be a little fun little ride. Candy, this is your your virgin voyage. There should be a lot of fun. Twisted Critics all day, though. What are we? I mean, Twisted Critics, it was a podcast, and we are the biasly unbiased brothers stretching across the whole US who dig music and music business. This is our much-anticipated relaunch that originally began with myself and my cousin Tony Ganja in 2018. Now we have two brand new co-hosts, Rapper AM and Candelario. AM and I are active artists ourselves, and all three of us are collaborators, radio reviewers, and current business execs at Hear My Voice Entertainment. Not only that, but starting this year, the Twisted Critics podcast is curating our very own Spotify VIP playlist to begin and better help promote our special guests that we have on air and other songs that we just love and become fans of.
2: Do you know how good and bad experiences in a rap game? Our jobs around the industry and many questions, misinformation. We've heard at music conferences, we remember what it's like starting out, making our mistakes and being told false information everywhere you turn. So we try direct answers, correct business practice, clear legal steps and helpful resources. It's our mutual love through all of our weekly calls, our ear for urban music, our mathematical eye. This got, got the mathematical eye. On the radio chart, our reviews for record labels, our heated song debates, we're going to go at it, I already know that. Our us asking guests, both business and personal questions and our solidarity in sharing a few drinks, that makes it therapeutic, productive, and often wild platform for y'all to
0: listen and be a part of. Yo, if nothing else, tune in with an open mind and notepad and a full glass to enjoy an informative, opinionated, entertaining, and twisted vibe and you might learn something. Please be interactive and sending questions via our various social medias. I will not only give you a shout out live on air, but also give you directions to step to us three are believers in the motto, a drunk man slash woman tells no lies. Call it education through inebriation, if
1: you will. And that's what's up, bro.
0: Now, in terms of the Twitter critic schedule, we're shooting
2: for Fridays, Sundays, and Mondays.
1: Fridays there will be the audio version of each of these podcast episodes launching on all streaming platforms. So check it out.
0: And on Sunday... Hey. New version of each podcast episode will launch on YouTube. And on Mondays, any associated Spotify song selections from each show will
2: be added to our exclusively curated playlist for our fans to enjoy.
1: I can't wait for that, because that's what I listen to on my long commute to work every single Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So I can't wait for that.
2: Now, all Twisted Critics episodes will have a minimum of us two co-hosts at me and Doc analyzing details on the week's radio sharks, as well as one or two special guests right now we got candy and our hot seat that we'll interview and have helping us through each show
1: beyond that we will always have a handful of segments games and banana peels that will that if we slip on them it'll make us our guests and all you listeners drink a shot i kind of want us to take a break since this is our pilot and just break down real quick an elevator pitch if you want to call it that let the people know who you are am you kick things off first bro
2: Perfect, perfect. So my name is uh, Arian Miller, uh, a.k.a. Rapper A.M., a.k.a. Angry Man. Uh, I am 34 right now out of Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, I'm a rapper first, battle rapper second. Farther father before all of that, but we're going we're gonna to say what we do. I uh, mix master music. I am a producer, photographer, videographer. I do a bit of boxing. I do a bit of MMA. I do, I do a bit of everything. We always we always do this when I do this. But that's, that's when you hear me talk. Music, battles, photography. My
1: little son is going to be running around here at some point. I guess I'll go next. Uh, my name is Doc J, but I also go by Jose or Jesse or Doc. I'm a Ooh, mutt, Doc. part Puerto Rican, part Italian, part Slovakian. I was born in New York, but I lived almost all my life in South Florida until the last 14 years. My wife and I moved to Claremont, which is in Central Florida. College educated from FAU, Florida Atlantic University, two degrees: civil engineering with an emphasis on transportation design and copyright trademark law. Since 17, I've been a DJ, a learning producer, and a rap artist myself. I've been on numerous mixtapes, and I've logged over 800-plus hours of stage time. I've interned at two legal departments of record labels, Sony Music and Epic Records. I have experience with production on mainstream level as well, selling a placement to Motown Records and Brian McKnight in 2004. Since October 2016, I've worked for iHeartMedia and MediaBase as a National Radio Spins analyst. My office is on the third floor of the Kissimmee Courthouse. You guys can find me there. Go on my cube and bother me if you want. Uh, Not only am I a CEO of Hear My Voice Entertainment with these gentlemen right here, but we focus not on the whole internet aspect of it, but actually brick and mortar where we actually really develop artists, let them learn the music business side. We collect publishing and we do the admin to go after the money that they're not getting right now. I also sit on music panels in the Southeast usually. My expertise is in music, uh, urban music, music business, radio syndication, chart math I do every single Sunday, music reviews, execution of radio royalties, and I pull research for copyright lawsuit. And thanks to these two gentlemen, I am now a podcast host again. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I'm looking forward to it anyways.
0: So uh, my full name is Candelario Arreal. I'm Hispanic. I live in the southernmost tip of Texas, shout out Brownsville. I'm basically, I- I'm learning from the ground up on, I'm going through, you know, being a podcast host, uh, getting certification, to SEO, other certifications that, you know, me and Doc had talked about, you know, being a talent scout, being a promoter. And basically, uh, I want to work with Doc and, you know, helping these other artists develop themselves as well. Well,
1: we're going to do that. But right now we're going to develop just a little bit of some tipsiness. Um, we always had a customary part of the show when we started out with my cousin, Tony. So we want to keep that alive. It's called What You drinking On? So right now, we don't drink water here. We actually drink it with you guys. So like right now, I got my my glass right now. We are, or at least I am, I'm drinking on some Captain Morgan. I got a couple cans of Coke. And in the case that we have to take a customary shot or WFW, whatever the hell that is, I got some homemade mamawana. It's Dominican celebration drink. Got some uh, very unique Dominican herbs, leaves, barks, and roots that make you get numb a little bit. And it's got some red wine, honey, and dark rum. So hopefully I don't have to take too many shots of those, but if, if I do, then so be it. What about you, Candy? What you drinking on? Our first
0: episode of Twisted Critics. I'm drinking Twisted Tea, that's <laughs> what I'm sipping on. And um, when we got shots, I'm drinking some Bucanas.
1: And what you drinking on?
0: I'm
2: sipping on some Gin Mare. I'm a big gin guy, Doc knows that. The Mediterranean Gin is very, very, very spicy. It's one of my favorite ones.
1: If you both will join me on one thing, fill up your shot glass with one of your shots right now. It, it is bad luck to start the show off without a customary shot. We are family. We are friends. We are coworkers. We were nothing else. We are homeboys that like urban music. So please raise your glass with me. Wish you guys a good uh, Virgin Voyage for Hear My Voice Entertainment and the Twisted Critics. And salute to each of you. Salute. <sighs> So this WFW that Candy brought up, AM brought up, I brought up, let's dig into that a little bit. Segment two is the WFW, wrong fucking word of the week. Since this is our pilot episode, I want a little more relaxed, chill vibe where you're just getting to know us. We don't have to dig into the radio charts as hardcore as we normally do. AM and I can explain the segments and how they work as we get to them. And Candy will be our self-appointed attorney and referee to get each other's backs or start the fight. We'll see which one. starts. We generally do a 21 questions to our hot seat, but instead we're doing a 21 questions to each other. And I want the the new viewers to get to know us a little bit.
2: Dot you up, you you give it, Candy a whole lot of power. Give him a whole <laughs> lot of power. I'll look, he he
1: he's good for it. I know it. You were the A <laughs> that brought him in. So what I'll say this is a uh, we throw him in the fire and see how well he does when he works. So that's that's what's coming up right now. Candy, let it, let them know what we're doing.
0: Come on, you talking to the judge, jury, and execution over here, baby? But uh, we're we're gonna see how much. We're going to get to know about these guys, and hopefully they throw out a little couple of dark secrets out there.
2: <laughs> Speaking of which, at Twisted Critics, we do our best to make sure we and our guests and you listeners mutually get the opportunity to take part in our Twisted Antics. So we'll alternate every show, and one of us will pick a torturous buzzword as our banana peel called WFW, or our wrong fucking word of the day. Every time someone flips up and says it on air, everyone must take a shot, no questions asked. Since you work so hard bringing this show back, Doc, how about you go and pick our poison for this afternoon?
1: Oh, okay. There's a lot of uh, responsibility here, but uh, since I know how we wrote the slides and our outline and how this is going, I, I kind of want to throw some, some banana peels for this. Let's see. I haven't done this in a minute, so I'm going to go with the WFW, the term hit record or records. So hit record or hit records. If we say that, we're going to catch each other. Sound effects, hand claps, make some noise, and we all taking shots. I hope you guys are ready for that. going
0: to happen. So, segment three is going to be time capsule. You know, I'm not very versed in hip-hop, so I know I'm going to learn a lot with you guys. You guys are, I don't know how to, I I guess the only word to explain would be like hip-hop masters compared to me, for sure. Connoisseurs.
1: uh, We're connoisseurs. You know how there's wine connoisseurs? Me and AM are hip-hop connoisseurs.
0: (laughs) So, I, I mean, I come from a predominantly... Most of everything's in Spanish, so it's going to be new to me. And uh, let's watch our tongues today, and let's get right with it with mm-hmm. episode 000, our pilot show. This week will consist of dates 6-4 through 6-10. So we're going to do a quick look into the, those days in urban music history.
1: All right, so I guess that chimes me in. First and foremost, for our time capsule this week, we got to give props and get, pay our respects to those that aren't here with us anymore. So we definitely want to talk about days that, some legends in hip-hop and r and industry have all passed away. So I'm going to kick things off and name the first three. June 5th was Trouble, 2022. June 6th was JR from the Cali Swag District, 2014. And Marvin Isley from the Isley Brothers in 2010.
2: All right. June 7th is going to be Lil Fat. That's going to be 2012. June 8th is going to be Bonnie Pointer. That's 2020. June 9th is going to be Bushwick Bill, 2019. And Pumpkinhead, 2015. You know I'm a big PH fan, big 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 PH fan. Uh, watching some of the old KOCDs uh, before I before they went. You you know I was doing one of the uh, the grind time before they uh, came
1: over here. I was watching Pumpkinhead a whole lot. I love Ghetto Boys. So Bushwick Bill is definitely someone I look up to. But yeah, Pumpkinhead. I have every single one of his albums in physical form on my wall. And knowing the grind time battle, league, he he he's just he was just a talented battle rapper and taken way too early from us you know so uh last but obviously
0: not least we're gonna have june 10th, ray charles and june 11th stack
1: bundles ray charles is a big one man i think that kind of reverberates through all music not just urban or r&b but i'm pretty sure almost everyone has seen the movie ray and know of ray charles piano skills and a lot of his signature singles all right. Well, I'm going to make it a little happier note now since we got the our spec for the RIPs out of the way. Let's move on to the birthday celebrations for the week. This is for all the Gemini fans out there. And, uh, A.M., why don't you kick, it, kick us off first, please?
2: Starting with June 4th, we have B-Day Shouts Out to Devin the Dude. He's going to be 50 years old. We have ASAP, Rock, not Rocky, but Rock. He's going to be 47. <laughs> Brian McKnight. He's going to be 54, and we're going to have DJ Mustard coming in as the young buck at a whopping
0: 33.
1: I'm happy that you kind of showed and displayed the difference of Aesop Rocky and Aesop Rock. I love Aesop Rock. I go all the way back to being a fan of Labor Days. I've actually opened up a show for him in Miami at the I.O. Lounge, and he's still like a wordsmith to this day. I love the albums that he comes out with. And it's weird because he's an indie artist, but he still tours the world. Like, that's the one thing I love about him. Happy birthday to all of them cats that you just said.
0: We also got uh Prince, June 7th, He's turning 65. Purple Rain. We got Sway Lee, also June 7th, turning 30. We got Kanye West, June 8th, turning 56. And we got Masego, June 8th, turning 30.
1: Yeah. No, I got a lot of respect for Kanye, probably out of that list. I and mean, then I know. With the Bump It and Dump It lately in the last year or two, A.M. and I have really gravitated to Masego's music quite a bit. I didn't realize he was that young. I thought he was already in his 30s, so that was pretty cool. Closing it out would be me. Starting at June 8th, we got R. Kelly, who's turning 56. Uh, Against popular opinion, I really want him to get out and make R&B music again. I still love his music. (laughs) I I agree with that. Uh, Buff loved the human beatbox from the Fat Boys. He passed away, but he would have been 56 on June 10th. And Flesh and Bone from Bone Thugs and Harmony on June 10th. He'd also turn 50. And from one of my favorite R&B groups, uh, Jodeci, we got JoJo turning 52 on June 10th as well. Happy birthday to all 12 of them out there.
0: Happy birthday, man. Next segment, guys, we're going to have the hot seat. Uh, Being our pilot episode and you're listening, just getting to know us and our segments, the special guest will be sitting in the hot seat this weekend. Is actually going to be our co-host, you know, Rapper AM and Doc J. I get the honor to actually ask them questions to be referee. Ain't nothing like a little friendly game of 21 with liquor involved. So, uh, rapid fire, you know, just off the dome. I'm ready. So, to kick it Absolutely. off, I'm going to let the younger guys kick it off. So, AM, you're going first.
1: All right. All right. Right. Age before beauty or something like that. I, I don't get it. Of course.
0: <laughs> something like that. Doc question one for AM. AM, where were you born and where were you raised? It's
2: hilarious. I was uh, getting an oil change the other day, and I was sitting in, uh, sitting in Meineke, and I was uh, talking to the guy that was changing my oil, and a random woman that walked in, and both of them had connections to where I was born. I born in Bangor, Maine. Uh, my parents were uh, Navy. Yeah, they met there, had us there, and we stayed there for a little while, and we came back to my mother's home, which is Baltimore, and I would definitely say I've been here since, so I was raised here.
0: Born in Bangor. Okay, so AM question one for Doc. What were you like as a kid growing up? And would you say you're more of an introvert introvert or an extrovert?
1: Ma'am. AM got like part A, B, C, D questions, but I love it. I love it. Um growing up as a kid, I mean, I'm like I was like like I am now. I like to care for everybody. I like everything to be a celebration. I want everyone to celebrate their wins. So family parties, get togethers says barbecues were all part of my grown up. Dad barbecued a hell of a lot. So I love food. And I was kind of a smart ass. I am a little bit intelligent. I don't know how intelligent I am nowadays. My, my gray hair is kind That's of covering smart. up. But uh, I think the intelligence kind of comes a little bit of smart assness. So I sometimes put teachers in their place if they're teaching the wrong thing to the classes I was in. Would I say I'm an introvert or extrovert? A little bit of both. Being a straight A student, kind of nerdy a little bit. I was introvert, but I also play basketball very well. And I was on the uh, varsity team for three years. So I kind of got the ability to jump around the nerds, the jocks. I kind of get along with everybody as long as you're not an asshole. So it depends on the social gathering, how I am. But I like to make everyone feel like they're having a good time. And I want everyone to feel celebrated. So I guess in that, I do have a megaphone in trying to be an extrovert by making everyone try to feel you know, comfy and, and have a good time, and have liquor involved. <laughs> but then in private times, I am a little bit of an introvert as well. All
0: right, so back to A.M., how would you describe your family dynamic growing up, and what's it like having a twin? So my family dynamic was pretty close it. Dad
2: was in the house until I was in middle school, uh, and he was still active after that. So I grew up with both of my parents, which is always needed. Dad, dad did damage to me. which <laughs> was just crazy. And this is this is this is awesome uh, to speak about on here as a dad now. Uh, I try not to kinda commit the same files that my dad did. I always know that as a parent you learn. You know there's no guideline, there's no, no book, you can't learn. We, we, we learn on on the go and we learn in, in personal situations. Um, and when I say he damaged me, it was just emotionally he, he kinda he kinda messed me up early. I had to figure that out. You know what I mean? I had to figure it out, I figured it out in college. My actual dynamic, really, really good with my mom, uh, really good with my cousins, really, really, really close with uh, my aunts, uncles, Um, and having a twin, was like having a second mother who was a witch, but a princess at the exact same time, or a queen at the exact same time, right? Our relationship got really, really, really good after she went to the military, so my sister was Navy, but my my sister went to the Navy, and I didn't write her. Right, because our relationship was kind of uh, kind of rocky. And she asked me, she was like, Why didn't you write me? I said, Because I don't like you. Right. And it wasn't <laughs> me sitting saying, You know, like, I don't love you, but I don't like you. Right. I, I don't have anything. To, I don't want to write to you. Right. And ever <laughs> since she got back after she was in the military, we've been like, like this. And that was early college. Early college. So we, we, she's going to fight for me, and I don't want to
0: stop some people out for her.
1: That's what's up. Shout I'm out awesome. to, Go shout ahead. out to AM's twin, Dreya too. She, she's cool people, Candy. All right, Doc, back to you. So who did you look up to as a child growing up? A.M. knows my story, my background story. My dad passed away when I was 18 from suicide. I'd say I looked up to my dad a lot until he passed away. And then we we were raised, at least at that point, very religious. So it's like there was that internal struggle of like, oh, does suicide let you in heaven or not? So that was like an internal struggle I had to deal with. But then me being a nerd... (laughs) Uh, Very studious. Uh, I look up to anyone that's a really good public speaker. My parents also raised me not to see color, by the way, either. So like when Gene and I go to these music conferences, my wife, Gene and I, we don't care about culture shock. If we're the only white people in the room or like light skinned people in the room, we get along with everybody. And I've been like that my entire life. So by about age 11, I could say I really looked up to like the Malcolm X's, the Martin Luther King's. And don't laugh at this, but I like read a bio on Hitler and I other than his. Theories and like the <laughs> war he created, I actually really look up to how he uses voice to move people. So, mm-hmm. as weird as that sounds, like it's like a mix of dad, Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, and Hitler. <laughs> I want to be that MC that can move a country like Hitler was able to. So I guess I yeah, see sure. I see the roses behind everything, like the, the war.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so AM, as a fan, describe your personality, listening to music. In and out of social settings,
2: me listening to music. I'm a lot better than I was growing up. I was a purist. I'm nowhere near that now. I hated I hated anything outside of rap music, and I don't care. And and let me say this better. I hated everything outside of hip hop. Any any anything outside of what I would consider super rap. You know, Nas and and, and older J and things of that nature. Couldn't stand it. As I got older, and y'all will actually see how I, how I speak and how I talk when I do uh, the music reviews that I do. I like vibes now. I'm big vibe, big vibe guy, big, 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 big vibe guy. And I think it's in part to me rapping as hard as I rap, right? I still, I still write battle raps and things of that nature. I still watch battle rap and things of that nature, but doc, I know you know that it is the most pure form of rap because we met doing that, but it's the most, purest form of, of hip hop and rap that that we can tap into like like this we have to search and look for music like that and i think i got a little tired of it i'm like all right let me not look let me feel right
1: <laughs> i agree with am like you gotta dig for music now unfortunately with this new generation everyone thinks they're an artist now back then i mean 88 percent of people thought they were fans and now that isn't like that anymore so uh i agree with am on that one you got to dig for it but him and i that's where him and i differ a little bit i'm still a purist a little bit i, I will review stuff for labels because we get paid for it but at the same time yeah. i you know what i go home and listen to is something totally different but to me it's very therapeutic so i agree with him on what he said there all right dog back to you doc how do you how would you describe family um he, and he knows me i'm very similar to him i'm very close to my family especially when dad passed away um was raised by a lot of women, strong women, like my grandmother's 99 and she'll be 100 on uh, October. in October. Uh, my mother is a dad and a mom at the same time. I got a ton of aunts. Um, and then you go to Puerto Rico and I got a lot of people that are related to me in two different ways. <laughs> a lot of strong women have raised me and my brothers too. both. I have two brothers and two half sisters as well. So, I mean, they strong women raised us. But who is that like have...
0: strong father figure for you, though? Like,
1: once dad passed away I really didn't have one. I had a I have a godfather in West Palm Beach uh Jose Ortiz mm-hmm. love him to death and uh you know I could their family to ours I mean they're anytime we traveled out to um uh Royal Palm it, it was always that's my best memories of them like dad and him would cook pigs big porks and mm-hmm. it was good times man so I mean the definition going back to AM's question of family Since dad passed away, I learned I needed to lean on music. That was my therapy. But on people that maybe they weren't family, but now I absorb people in and I consider them family. Um, Maybe that's one of my flaws, but until you screw me over or stab me in the back, I consider you family after one or two meetings. Yeah. uh, That's how I am, and, and uh, that's the definition of family. You don't actually have to be blood. As long as you're there when the person needs you, I consider you family. So I mean, AM's been there quite a lot for me when I needed it, and I'm pretty sure you, Raul, everybody else that's in here in my voice will probably hear Doc vent occasionally. I try not to vent out loud, but occasionally I'll
0: vent. 100%. So I right hear back to AM, based on childhood dreams, if you followed through on it, what fantasy profession would you be now?
1: I
2: would be Dr. Fucking House.
1: AM, I asked this question something I didn't know about you. So that's why I wanted Candy to ask it. So I'm like, I'm curious <laughs> as shit. Like, what were you thinking <laughs> you wanna be as a kid? So I'm curious. Throughout my entire
2: element, entire, entire ele- I feel like I'm filling my, my my liquor down. My entire <laughs> elementary I literally thought I was going to be a doctor, right? Went to middle school, thought I was going to be a doctor. And then someone was like, hey, you know, it's 150,000. And then you got to go to school for three, four years and then school for three, four years. And then you got to go to school for three. I'm like, I'm not doing that. (laughs) I would love to have been the second Ben Carson without him being an idiot in politics, right? I like to heal some people. I would love to heal some people. I got into high school. And I do this thing where I have a whole lot of tabs open. I'm not going to try to do this, but... I was really in a a cannabis at this time. Not the the marijuana, but the artist. And I remember (laughs) being in a psychological class and she was like, can you give us a quote? And I was like, a blind man sees failure as progress, a fool divorces the the facts and misses the logic. And she was like, what does that mean? I said, what? It's self-explanatory. But through that class and her challenging me, right, I sat and I said, I'm going to heal people's brains. I forgot in my elevator pitch to say that I do have a bachelor's degree in psychology and I went to Morgan State.
1: I, 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 my answer is to that like up until age 14, I thought I would be a mad scientist, like working in a lab, mixing chemicals. And that never <laughs> happens.
0: <laughs> my mom always make always makes, she like, if she has a chance to bring it up, she'll bring it up. I always wanted to be a cryptozoologist, like finding Bigfoot and shit. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Like I, I was always so interested in all that shit. So next question is going to be for, for you, doc. It's going to be, did you enjoy school? Why or why not?
1: Hell yeah. I mean, I got my, and again, it was self-imposed. My parents weren't, my dad was super strict for, he wasn't a smart man. So he was super strict for like doing yard work and stuff. So my skill isn't in doing yard work or fixing anything. <laughs> so my thing was in school and I self-imposed for myself in kindergarten to never get a B in my life. Like B, B, whatever you want to call it. I had straight E's and straight A's until my 12th grade year. And I got my first two B's and I graduated with all A's and two B's my entire high school, middle school and elementary school like age. College that went out the window. Did I enjoy it? I did for the the academics. Um, I was a nerd a little bit. So until I got to high school, maybe when I started playing basketball, I didn't like elementary school or middle school. And even the beginning of high school, it was and I'm I'm a sensitive dude. (laughs) <laughs> so yeah, I take things personal and, you know, I don't like people picking on any nerd. not I mean, me, but other people. And then when I started playing basketball, it was like, now you accept me? Like, this is some fake bullshit. Like, don't pick on my other nerd friends. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: so right here, A.M., what do you personally miss the most from your lo- local battle leagues? And what do you miss the least?
2: The least is honestly the drama Doc he's gonna come in here and give me a hug every once in a while. I'm gonna you know I that.
1: might throw him on air for that one. What's up, Drew? There you go.
2: go. He can do this. Can you say? Hi? On, hi. Say hi, Doc. Say hi, Candy. Hi, Candy. <laughs> <laughs> say hi, hi. Doc. Hi Doc. There you go. Close to the door for me? I ah, appreciate it. Um, so Candy, you asked me what do I personally miss uh most and least from my local battle league? So I miss yes, miss most. Honestly, the aggression that I'm getting out is a very big dopamine dump that happens in a live battle, right? It it's it's like a moment in time where things freeze, especially when you're remembering everything. And or if you're freestyling and you're and you're weaving everything perfectly and everybody's just like, Oh, he's murdering this guy. He said he's gonna
0: do things to his mother and his girlfriend.
2: <laughs> shaking a room. Shaking a room, feeling the room shake. Because you did something, it's probably the the craziest thing. It's a drug. It's a drug. And I swear to goodness, once I get more time, I'm going to go back. I'll be back. I'm, I'm going to, I'm probably going to do um, Verbal Warzone, let's then rap it over beats. But I'll, I'll probably do that just because I want to make more music, and it'll be easier to keep me engaged in music. What I miss, uh, at least, least the thing I don't miss, is what I say about my uh, my local battle league. It's all the drama, right? Battle rappers are weird, right? Because they all go around pretending to be someone that they're not, right? Now, you've heard me. Like, you've heard me. To get to that point from this voice here takes a little bit, right? But that's it.
0: How, how does that work? Like, do you guys tell each other beforehand, hey, like, these are the things for, for you wouldn't talk about or everything's game?
2: Everything isn't. So that's, that's the thing. So it really depends on the league that you're in, right? So, so we don't really know who we're battling. But – if we know, cause we got guys get hit in the mouth when they say, hey, please don't mention this It's a touchy subject. If you verbally agree to it, then you verbally agree to it. So you don't go back mm-hmm. on it. If things happen because you don't go through with your promise, you know what I mean? Um, I don't care about winning. I only care about them coming back to see both of us, right? Mm-hmm. You want to put on a show. And again, it's the, the, the big thing about me not liking or the thing I don't like
1: is we have to stop the show at some point and be real, right? Yeah. But they're not going. In, in kind of comparison to him, Candy, for me down here, when I did the whole Miami, Fort Lauderdale, Boca Raton circuits, those three cities, mm-hmm. for us at least, it was always any, anything is, you know, nothing is off limits. They're a little bit more, Boca Raton wasn't because Boca Raton kind of has money, but Fort Lauderdale, Miami, even West Palm, they are tight knit leagues. Everyone knows everybody and everyone knows your business. So those were way more personal leagues where they would know, you know, they'd pull out like a yearbook from your high school or middle school yearbook in a battle. So I mean, but I was- feel
0: like that's kind of like it's like like to say oh like you know I bang your your mom or I bend your girlfriend. I feel like that's easy. I don't know. I just feel like that's it's not oh. intricate.
1: It, well, and, and where I agree with you. The reason why I did pretty well in those where I'm a little bit different than I am, I don't want to put on a good show. I want to embarrass you. I want to embarrass you to the point where you don't want to come back to me and choke. So I only use personal. So like, I banged your mom, I banged your sister. None of that's truthful. So I would never use that. But if you're the kid with a cleft lip in, in middle school, I'm gonna make fun of your cleft lip. <laughs> you know I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna make fun of your physical de and i'm sure you can make fun of my physical defects too so i mean it's yeah. it, it's all fair game so i mean I, I think am hit the nail on the head though it all depends on the league you're in and what city you're in i agree with him on that it was and, awesome. candy Sorry. if you ever go back and watch the real the archive of videos of am rapping the one thing i will always give him credit for is he is a funny battle rapper way more funny and humorous than i would ever be and <laughs> that's what makes him so entertaining when he battles i mean it's it's Sometimes he shakes the room, sometimes he doesn't, but it's always gonna be funny.
0: Now for Doc, do you play any musical instrument or have any hidden
1: talents? All right, all right, I got you. AM. Um I play piano a little bit, some maybe a couple dozen trainings in it. Um but other than that, everything's by ear. I, I don't have any formal training in like violin or guitar. I have a guitar. I just don't know how to plug it. <laughs> um, as terms of hidden talents, I got a shit ton. He knows that too from my, from my Facebook page. Um, I draw really well. My best friend and I, James uh, Immune, we've been friends since we were two years old. So I've known him for 38, 39 years. He draws really, really well, but more graffiti, abstract world. I draw more real life stuff. I'll draw the alligator. I'll draw the... Leopard, tiger. And then I also draw a little graffiti too. So I mean, and you guys know that when I put up like written verses, when I write a verse, I'm doodling as I come up with lines. So on the bottom of the paper, you'll see like a doodle, of like a hawk's talon or something. So I mean, I love drawing. I never was a good cook, but I learned when I moved up here and I didn't have a job how to cook well. I, I mean, my degrees in civil engineering. I maybe not am mechanically inclined. We're good with wrenches, but I think of ways to fix things that other people don't think of.
0: So right now for AM, what's your three memorable, most memorable trips uh, versus the three places you want to visit the most?
2: These are going to be different. I got engaged in Louisiana and it was a good time. And I go a whole lot out there. And it was like, the hood, and I enjoyed that. I don't know why I enjoyed that, but I, I, I enjoyed that. It was very, very, very home. Like, I love that. Um, my second, Disney World. I learned how to swim in Disney World, and I found out that I really like video games in Disney World. They had an arcade outside next to the swimming pool, and they had these cool games. It was free, right? These really cool games that I would play there. Um, I could never... It's, it's so difficult finding uh, old arcade games like that. And uh, I, have three, I have one more. I have one more. Uh, where did I go? I went somewhere. I went somewhere else. North Carolina, Charlotte, 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 Carolina. I think that's North. Uh, I went to a place called Carol Uh It's an amusement park. Their a version of like Six Flags or While um, Land. Well, wow, that's, that's, that's here. I had a really, really, really good time. And this is gonna be a weird thing to say, but when I went down there, I slept at my aunt's house and I never stopped dreaming. I dream every night and I remember all my dreams every night, but I started to remember all of my dreams Three places that I would like to visit. I would like to go see my grandmother in California. Uh, I would like love love to be on the West Coast for a little while, just to get a different vibe and uh, see how the sun feels over there, hit the beaches and something like that over there. Japan because I'm a, I'm a I'm a anime fanatic. I don't I don't know if they really like black people or really dislike black people over there, but I don't care. <laughs> it's, a, it's a risk I'm willing to take to eat some of their uh, their their authentic mochi. Um, and a third place that I want I want to go to Mexico. My sister goes to Tulum. Almost every year. Um, and I wanna go, right? I'm not necessarily scared of the cartels or anything of, uh, of that nature, but I wanna go and uh, wanna go uh, enjoy what my sister enjoys. She goes and, and, and jumps in caves and all kind of stuff like that. And I'm like, yeah, I'm
1: to listen, not this. Yeah. Yeah, I see a lot of the videos and pictures Drea puts up, and it, it, I'm the same way. It's I love mythology. So I, my favorite three trips, obviously, have been I, I like Athens, Greece best. I like Rome, Italy. And that was a surprising one because that was my wife's bucket list trip. And I think I had more fun there than she did. And then my third favorite trip was um, not Cancun, but Riviera Maya, Mexico. That's where we went for our honeymoon. And we went to like Tulum and Chichen Itza. And it's like I saw a wonder of the world. Like, so that's like my favorite places. So it's funny that you brought that one up. And then if you're talking about Disney World, you know, we, we live like a 21 minute drive from it. So you have a place to stay at. You don't need a hotel when you come to see it when you're grown up now.
2: Yeah, I got it. we got it. When we, uh,
0: when we make that trip, we have to go. All right. That's what's All up. All right, Doc. So uh, as a twisted critic, what's your go to alcoholic drink? <laughs> uh,
1: my top go to alcoholic drinks. I'll put them in order for you. I got three. I'm a huge Captain Morgan. Dark liquor, dark dark rum at all, but I love Captain Morgan. Any dark rum, dark Caribbean rum. I don't care where it's from. I've had a Jamaican one that was really good. But Captain's one of my go-to, hence Captain. I love Hennessy, believe it or not. Uh, Hennessy, I like a lot. And lately, in the last year and a half, um, Immune, my best friend James, he put me on to, I don't like overly sweet whiskeys But I do like just straight whiskey. And he put me on to Smoky Mountain salted caramel. And I'm like, that is the weirdest mix ever. Whiskey flavor, caramel, salt. And when I had it, him and I had a deep conversation with it. I don't chase it with anything. I don't mix it with anything. And I still got two bottles of it in my cabinet right now.
0: Hmm. Hey, so vice versa for you, A.M., what's your top three kind of mixed drink, kind of cocktail? My,
2: uh, When I was when I was out college, right, I used to drink what we called a blue motorcycle or a blue motherfucker, and I never knew what was in it. I just I saw grenadine, and I was like, all right, cool. They make everything in that everything. One fifty one used to go in there before it was discontinued here. Um, they would put a vodka, they would put a rum, they would put uh another rum, they would put a a a, 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 a gin. It was it was. Literally what you would call a cocktail. And I would drink those two all the time. I have had a Bahamic nipple and a, what is what is, I, have, I have a third drink. I like gin now. And I will never, ever, ever sit and say that I, I like a gin and sonic. I've had them. They're always
1: disgusting. <laughs> but um, a rummy poke. All
0: right. For you, Doc, how do you feel about social media?
1: As a whole or for like music business, AM?
0: I was going to say as a whole.
1: Okay. It's interesting. I have a love-hate relationship with it. Most of my family members, including my mom right now, I think it's because she's dating somebody, and that's very mm-hmm. new for our family. She's hating social media because someone hijacked her, her Facebook page. So, she lost thousands of photos and hundreds of videos. My brother-in-law, a couple of cousins, a couple of my cousins, a couple of her cousins, during voting season for the election, they get very nasty with each other. So, oh, yeah. So, My belief, I love social media and sometimes they don't. So I got to pretend I don't. I think you get out of it what you put into it. And I think if you have a lot of those friends like favorited on your Facebook page, you see the trash they talk about both opposing sides, not just the good side or bad side, both opposing sides. If you use it to keep in touch with friends, family and old classmates, it's lovely. Like there are family in Puerto Rico I've never met that I'm now pen pals to because of social media. So. I think you get out of it for what you use it for. If you get on there as your soapbox to talk about how the, the COVID vaccine killed everyone, I don't want to hear what you're talking about. But if you're there to talk to me, what you're working on, how's your son doing AM, that type of stuff, you're using social media, what it's used for. So I love it for that reason.
0: Okay, so right here, it's actually a back-to-back question for you, Doc.
1: Okay. I don't
0: know if anyone sees Doc' personal uh, Facebook. How do you feel about the cooking?
1: oh good lord am you know that you're gonna be a blast um okay so i i love food i when i before i moved to central florida i never weighed more than 135 pounds i now weigh 194 195 pounds and i always like fluctuate you know i'll go back to 175 and then go back to 199 (laughs) um i love cooking and i eat while i'm cooking so that's where i put on a lot of my 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 chicho my my weight um I did not cook well. And you if Jean was here, she would definitely tell you that. I did not cook well when we first started dating. I didn't cook well. Mom did everything for us at home. Like, again, she's a soldier. She did everything for us. When I first moved up here, I couldn't find a job for like 10 or 11 months. That's a long time that I have a job for a person that likes to work too much. So I took care of our dog. We moved up to Mount Verde, Florida, which is here in Central Florida, in the, kind of in the woods. So I... The property hasn't been touched for three years. So I kind of had to make the pool swimmable again. That took me two months to do. It had like lily pads. It was bad. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was bad. Um, trees grew wild. So, like, I had to, I like animals, I like insects, I like snakes. So, seeing that didn't bother me. But my off time, other than doing yard work and cleaning the pool, I'd watch a lot of cooking shows like Man versus Food, Chops, anything like that. And watching those things. I started picking up like these hints in my head, like I would love to try that. I'd love to try that. I'd love to try that. And that's the way my brain works, too. My wife prefers to do the easiest way, like the easiest way possible. Don't do something, something very meticulous uh, recipe. So she had a death. She went to visit North Carolina, her her mother in North Carolina. And while she was in North Carolina, she was only supposed to be gone for a week. And then they had a death in the family in Puerto Rico. So she called me and said, hey, do you mind if I go there? I'm like, me and the dog are great. She's like, are you living? Like, are you eating? I'm like, don't worry, I'm good. (laughs) When she came back, I think the only thing I cooked good was like at that time were eggs, ramen, and burgers. That was the only thing I could cook good before I kind of was left alone. And then when she came back, she's like, oh, what is it? Trying to joke, like when I'm picking up for the airport, is it burger night? Or egg night. I'm like, you know, fuck you. <laughs> um, I'll surprise you when you get home. So when, they, when she came home, I already had prepared for her a stuffed prosciutto and cheese pork chop with an applesauce puree and like wild rice and like Brussels sprouts. And she's like, where did my boyfriend go and where did you bury him? And I'm like, I didn't have you here to tell me no. So I cooked what my heart desired.
0: <laughs> <And>
1: <laughs> from that day on, now I cook whatever I want. And she's 90 percent happy with it.
0: So, we're gonna move on to a very AM question. So, for the lady listeners, what's your tried and true go-to move to inspire or seduce kinkiness? AM? seduce a woman. Yeah, yeah. like you what? What would, would you? What's your go-to move to to
1: heat things the, up a bit? To get the clothes to fall off. Fucking caveman!
2: <laughs> gonna eat your pussy. Come here. Like I don't. I don't. I don't have. Like if if we've gotten to the point where we're intimate, like, and I mean, like, we're all around each other one on one and we know what we're doing, I'm not gonna, hey babe, why don't you lay on the bed over there? I I don't really have that. Lay the fuck down. You know what we're doing. Put your feet up.
1: <laughs> See, I think hey, I think marriage just messed me up. baby. Eh? I'm like I'm more of like a maybe Candy will get my back on this one. I'm more of like I'll cook you a meal, have dishes done, and oh, do you need a back rub? Oh, We <laughs> you know what the back rubs doing. <laughs> We hey, know. hey, if my shirt starts to fall off during the back rub and you feel my back my my chest on your back, hey, that's hey, so be it. Be- <laughs> he knows what it means. He knows what it means.
0: So wait, wait, deadly. why are you laughing? Because it, it's so I feel like people, especially then that have been together for a while, that back rub go-to move is is deadly. It is. A plus. But uh so I right hear Doc. what's your two or three biggest red flags that turned you off on a date?
1: Damn, AM, you and I asked the same question to each other. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I'll give you three. I'll give you three. Um, I'm very easy. So this will be a short, no stories on this one. One, I'm one of those weird people that have to be your friends before you do anything physical. So if you're not honest with me or see, have secrecy, that's the biggest red flag for me. Like I won't be even giving you my attention or time. I love big smiles, like someone that can laugh. At, I mean, I'm corny, but if you can laugh at my jokes or where I bring you and the people we hang out with, if you can't do that, that's a red flag. You know, if you can't laugh and don't have a sense of humor, big red flag. Uh, bad breath.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: If you I got, got take breath a little bit, too. But, yo, there's like there's Tic Tacs, there's breath mints, there's Swish. You can use a lot of things like just give me the benefit of the doubt of where your breath doesn't smell that bad. <laughs> I agree.
0: Right, vice versa of you and same question.
2: I'm about to tell y'all the horrible story. This is this is why she said I'm a cave man. So I had a ex. We used to have a whole lot of nice, nice sex, but her breath was always stinking because she had a, a broken tooth in her mouth. Um one day she was giving me head and her broken tooth was cutting my dick. I kept going. I kept going. I didn't give a fuck. I ain't gonna lie, to you. I didn't give a fuck. Fuck. Bleeding, I was bleeding though. I was bleeding, right? But I didn't care. I was like, look, we're gonna finish, finish what we started. <laughs>
0: So what, red flag, not, says, not, not having, having a complete tooth.
1: Literally a yeah, red flag. It was red, blood yeah. red flags.
0: So
2: that, damn, red's red my favorite red color. <laughs> um, let me see. My a second, a second red flag for me is also it's a personality thing, right? I had uh, I just, I just really started like getting, getting in a red flag after my last, my last relationship with Drew's mommy. I had a woman that I was dealing with right after her, and we did not agree in ideology, and it was the, the, it was the hardest okay. artist thing in my head to deal with because I was physically attracted to her. Like, I really, really, really liked her, but I was like, yo, the way you do things, trash. Inner city, inner city kids will always die in the hood. What? What? How, how are you going to say that 100%? It's the truth. That's exactly <laughs> what I'm saying. You're going to walk outside of your house and get shot in the face. I'm like, you know what? Maybe we don't need to deal with each other.
1: <laughs> That's a big-ass red flag. For real.
0: So I hear that being a, a new father now, who are some of the sources you rely on for baby parenting advice?
1: Hey, um, I'm I'm not a pro or veteran at this. I suck at this actually. So um I reach out to any friend I know that has a kid. So like AM's got it before I asked him advice. Um again, maybe because I grew up with strong women in my life. While I was in middle school, high school and college, more of my friends are girls more than anything. Nothing like all platonic, not not anything like physical. So I've asked them before. I've texted them like, hey, when did your son, you know, stop having bad sleeping nights? And they're like, uh, he's two and he still has bad sleeping nights. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, OK, well, I, I notice every kid's different. So I take everything I hear from a grain of salt. But if I, I think I've asked 10 people the same question i'll get a nice ballpark of what i'm looking forward to and am one of those people so those are my go-to people um friends am family um the only thing i won't do gene uses pinterest and google a fucking lot and there's so much like poison out there so i would rather ask people yeah for that, sure i rather ask people that have been through it you know
0: so right here for you am how has fatherhood changed any of your thoughts or approach to your own music
2: Fatherhood turned me into a lion as a person. Like, I want to beat people up much more uh, after having a son. So in terms of music, for me, uh, and we're going to say thoughts, right? Thoughts, thoughts. Mm-hmm. I want to put more positive music out, right? I want to put more positive music out. I had, I had a thing where I fell into being very socially conscious anyway, right? The last mix, One of the last mixtapes I did was called Society. And it was all all me talking about things that are going on, people dying in the street. But I had to really think about this, right? Because I was around in my city for the pretty great thing happening. I was actually in some of the riots that were going on here. So I always, after having him, I thought to myself, I got to make sure that whatever I'm doing isn't going to be too much poison for it, if that makes any sense. Like, I'm going to still mm-hmm. do horrorcore rap I'm going to still stand or shoot people in the
0: forehead and things of that nature. But my overall message is going to be mental health. Because
1: of it. Right. So right here for you, Doc.
0: Uh, for your all-time favorite non-rappers and non-urban
1: artists. Oh, damn. AM. Okay. It <laughs> makes me think outside the box. I love Michael Jackson. I think he's the greatest artist of all time. No he touches people in multiple genres. People be... People before him, people during him, and people after him. And I think his music will go on to touch people after me. Michael Jackson, B1. I love Linkin Park. I love, especially when they burst on the scene, I love everything they did. The whole rock, rap, screamo, (laughs) mixing it together. It blended Mm -hmm. so well. Other people have tried it. It never worked so well. But especially their first three albums, Plastic Material, I would never cut that out of my top 100 albums ever, all three (laughs) of them. So Michael Jackson, Lincoln Park. Uh, okay, here's a, a curveball one. There's a lot of other people I could throw up there. I probably can name like 25 for this. But my brother-in-law, Alberto, shout out to Alberto, put me on to Iron Maiden. And I'm not a heavy metal fan in any way whatsoever. I'm not the biggest fan of Metallica, Ice Earth, none of those people. Wow. Pantera, nothing. Iron Maiden made soft rock metal. They added, I love poetry. I read a lot of poetry. Uh, Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner is a type of record they put out. Um, it's it's a nine-minute record, <laughs> ten-minute record, but I love it. All their albums have a theme, and all the songs fit that theme. I wish rappers followed that scope for the whole album long. Jay-Z kind of did it with American Gangster. Very few people do it well, and Iron Maiden does it extremely well. And it's not so hard in screamo that I don't feel it. Like, it's soft enough where I get it. It's a little operatic. And it's a lot of poetry, but I love poetry. So I like Iron Maiden a lot too. I've seen them live once too, and they barely come to the United States. So that's pretty cool.
0: So A.M., for you, what's your most successful song versus what song you own is like kind of uh like most important for you so far?
2: My song about my father is actually it it's both both um my most successful and um my most important song. I literally with writing this song as he was dying. Uh and you'll hear okay. this song that I know he's done. Like I know, I know he's done. I know I said, God, I know this is the last time, right? Uh I was afraid to go to the hospital and see him. Um, but I wound up seeing him. And he literally he didn't die in my heart, but he died. And I was there with his cold body, it, hugging and all of that. It was quite crazy. But in the back of my mind the entire time I was hugging him I said, I just wrote this fucking song, right? And I have to release it. Did a video in a graveyard and uh it had been one of the most successful songs that I had on my YouTube without me having to like promote promote it just because mm-hmm. of what it feels like. It's called trying to get up, I think. I had a uh voice then white like, the last part of it. I can't listen to it though. Like I cannot, I can't still can't really listen to it. Wow.
1: But I mean it's surprising because you have some people that uh you know, most artists they have they most successful is a hit single. Oopsie. Oh, fuck. Yep. I heard you. So, ma- heard
2: you. Th- So you. Did, he, did, he, did he notice it? Did he notice it? Did he notice
0: it? Yeah, yeah, I'm getting it ready.
2: I don't think Candy caught that. <laughs> uh,
0: I, as soon as you said that, I was like, yup.
1: He's like, Doc, what, you, <laughs> doing? what you doing? He
0: did it on no, He uh, did it on purpose. He set it up. I, I didn't it do up. it
1: on purpose, but the meaning, the meaningfulness of it, a lot of times these hit singles aren't the most significant song of some of these artists and I'm happy that you're one of the rare cases that they're both. I mean, your, your most successful and your most significant song is the same thing. So, I raise a shot glass to that. So, Salud. 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 Well, all right, let's get through these questions. I don't want to talk about music.
0: So, so next one's going to be for you, Doc. Okay. What's two or three of your achievements in the music business that you are most proud of?
1: The degree is one of them. I think that opened the door for everything. Copyright and trademark law. Thank you, uh, Florida Atlantic University. Professor Zager, he was one of the executive producers on Whitney Houston's first album. And when I walked into his office and saw the multi-platinum plaque, I was like, I want to be that. Starting hear my voice and building lifelong friendships with some people. There's some people that we voted off the island. Um, <laughs> Look at him. There are a, a couple people we voted off the island, but for the most part, everyone that joins you, in my voice, I think, leave it. Even Plies. Plies has been a person. Plies and Jin. Jin's a battle rapper that used to be done with Rough Riders. They were part-time members for like five or six months until they got signed, and then I never got a call from them ever again. They used not just us, but they joined every membership they could to build their bio and resume to get their record deals, and I have no problem with that. I think everyone left here hear my voice with more knowledge and music business than they definitely ever had when they got to me.
0: Yeah, 100%.
1: And then third is a personal one, a fun one. Um, I love sitting panels at conferences, and I was at a Tampa conference once. Uh, T-Pain asked a question to me and then asked two more questions afterwards because he didn't understand copyrights, and this is a multi-platinum artist. I don't normally get starstruck, and I didn't get starstruck there. I think the only person I've been starstruck in front of is Wendy Day. I hope she's listening to this. But no, um, it was very humbling to me that someone as big as T-Pain would ask someone as little as me music business copyright law questions. And as soon as I answered it, he's writing it down and everything. I mean, you could it was he was being humble and it humbled me. That's 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 what I'll say. Like to see artists that have already made it, but now making their own indie labels ask me music business questions and I'm teaching them, that was probably the third most. That might move, that might slide to one and two sometimes too, but that's like the top three.
0: So for you, A.M., music-wise, what personally is more important to you? Lyrics or beats? And, yes. you know, tell us why. And I know for me personally, I'm going to just put it out there, I think for me, beats is more important. I think so. We are now. I guess with how weak lyricism and, is right now. Yeah.
2: You're not going to get any. That, that's the funniest thing, like, and 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 you saying that changed changed how I felt about this question because I would I I personally was sitting ah, vibe vibe vibe. You're not getting lyrics right, so you have to you have to get something else, and you cannot vibe with doo, doo, in the background. You vibe you vibe <laughs> with, with everything being composed well. Doc, did you get that? That was that was that was me doing that. the cannabis,
1: yeah, cannabis and, uh, and left. <laughs>
2: hey, that and cannabis first album
1: was was dope to me. I'm sorry. <laughs> it,
2: I'm I'm a am I'm, I'm a huge cannabis fan, but but the the beats on that were trash. The better beats he had, right, it felt it felt better. Like I would have to ignore it. I would have to ignore it, right? And that's a problem. It doesn't for me it doesn't have to be super dope production, but it has to be competent production. right? Because you think Naj and Nas is always one of those who have been attacked for his beat selection, right? Uchiwali was I'm not going to say Uchiwale was bad, right? Okay, you, you'll <laughs> say it, you'll say it. So we, get, we can say it, we'll, 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 we'll agree on this. We'll agree Uchie on Wally was trash. Yeah. It was trash, right? The song itself was trash because the beat was trash. And we know you had to write for this, right? And that's case in point for a person who's a phenomenal writer, right? But the way I feel, I'm, I'm going to try to write around with this. The way I feel is right now, we don't have lyricism in the game enough for us to sit and have beats that are going to we're not going to have songs that are going to be able to highlight that. So we have to have something else to take the place of it. So
1: I'll say, and I'll stand on it, beats right now are more important than lyrics. Candy, let me throw you two thought bombs on this, because me and AM go back and forth on all this all the time. Mm-hmm. Which, and I'll keep them really short. One of them was my wife, Jean, when we were dating. She came down to FAU, uh, Sling K, who's also an A&R ad, hear my voice. We all went, to, uh, Ricky B is a DJ down there. He had a, a breaker friend named Trigo. We all went to go see the movie when it came out, Get Rich or Die Trying with 50 Cent. And Gene and I have had multiple, I'm talking about dozens of arguments that girls listen to beats, guys listen to lyrics. That's why I'm a little upset with I'm saying that, but it's okay. I think it's the, mm-hmm. time, the time and place we live at. We were watching the movie, Get Rich or Die Trying, and when... 50 Steps in the booth, you hear the Dr. Dre beat, and then he puts the headphones on, and the effect of him putting the headphones on mutes out the beat. So he's in the quiet booth rapping, and my wife looks over at Kay and I and goes, is that what you hear? 50 Cent has the worst flow ever. It's the beats that make him famous. And we were like, I'm in love. Because <laughs> it's the truth. Like I feel like 50 Cent has a very, very nursery rhyme flow. But the Dr. Dre beats and the Eminem beats really give him a boost. And a lot of rappers are like that. And that's not taking anything away from 50, but that's where maybe I don't think it's just beat or just lyrics. My compromise with AM is does the lyrics that you're trying to write to it match the vibe of the beat? And if it doesn't, you have no business being an artist. That's where where I'm at in in 2023.
0: But I I think we just did a song on this past uh, week where. It was kind of like a upbeat type of beat, and like the lyrics were all yeah. sad. So like and if I was on the panel, going.
1: if I was on the panel, I'd be talking shit about it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, I was just right. kind of like, ah, you know, I feel like that's kind of what's hitting right now, you know, upbeat, upbeat with uh, kind of pressing lyrics.
1: I I disagree, but okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so right here for for Doc, which two or three artists would you say? Um, that your pen is more inspired by? Like what, what inspired your writing style?
1: I see what A was trying to do with me. All right. Uh, I'll go with three. I'll, th- I'll say three Makeup Doc J. I love multiple rhyme schemes. So Cool G Rap is one of my favorite like low key artists that people don't know. He's one of the few dudes that invented multiple rhyme schemes where instead of rhyming pat with cat with gat with bat, he roamed, rhymed like five words together, and every line had five words that rhymed together. That's my style in a nutshell. Fabulous does it, but sometimes his topics are kind of shaky. But I give I give fabulous some respect for also respecting uh, cool G rap as well. Cool G rap definitely. Uh, I mean, from how it goes, I mean, I think I stabbed my quote unquote imaginary girlfriend with a spear and throw her over a pier. Wow. So Eminem, Eminem touched my soul with like, especially his like first three or four albums. Like I like the real life issues, like the, the domestic, maybe not domestic violence, but what goes on in my domestic life, paying bills, paying mortgage. I want to be a regular Joe rapper. I don't want to talk about the car I don't own or the stacks I don't have. We mm-hmm. have a very, very nice house. We have no debt. We have solar panels. We have that. So, I mean, I am comfortable with that, but I'm not going to be talking about like Bugatti's that I don't own. So, I mean, definitely Eminem's there. Cool G rap. And then Nas is my favorite MC ever. I mean, I think the way he sticks to a topic and gives you that vivid imagery of the streets and way people that are a little bit less intelligent than him can understand what he's talking about. I love that writing. I've always aspired to be like that. So, I mean, and then to throw like a 3B in there, I love Master Ace, like his concept albums of like going to rap college He's another person that inspired me a lot, too. So maybe like those three or four.
0: So right here for you, A.M., for, um, for inspiring artists and rappers, how would you break down your personal uh, writing process?
2: I throw paint at a fucking wall. <laughs> that's, that's my writing. I, and that knows, like right now, and I'm not going to do it, but I'll do it. And this is, this is actually something really cool, right? If I were to write right now, which I could, I would go with whatever that that pops into my head. Even if I don't have a beat. I did not say philanthropy. Person here that does it, does it, that damaged me. Uh, I'm with John, something with a candle beat, right? I'm going to run with that. That is now the rhyme scheme for everything that I'm running with. And I'm not going back and I'm not editing a fucking thing, Doc, because I feel like when I'm my most inspired, it's when it's the best music right we should
1: have it let, 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 like, let me explain something to before. candy Am. let me explain something to candy real quick though the reason why i asked that question candy if you and i asked him to write a verse on a song about heartbreak today and tomorrow we would get two totally different verses so i guess that's why i asked that question i would like i'd like to know i've never been in the room with him while he wrote nor has he been in the room with me why I, I wrote but we have probably totally different sacred writing styles and i'd love to know how he did it like is it just you write 16 bars or do you do double standard
2: Straight up, right? i don't i don't think i don't want to think i don't like thinking like like if we already picked a topic we're going to write about the topic i don't like sitting saying and i know how you write we've we actually had a conversation about how you write i don't like having to build a 16 i built sixteenth in battle rap. So that's, that's, that's the funniest thing. Like I literally, Doc, you, you have actually seen me write that up. I have. So they are themed, right? They're topical, right? I don't like going out of music, right? Music for me has always been me in my purest form. And I'm not sitting there thinking, I'm like, I'm feeling it. And like you said, since there's so many voices up here, you're going to get a different, because I might love love today, but I might hate love tomorrow, but it's still love, right? I might mm-hmm. feel different about love through days from now. Right. But it still is love.
1: Candy. Candy. Opposed to him. I, I, this is where the nerd in me comes in, like me and being a straight A student. If A.M. sends me a beat or a hook and it gives me a theme for the song, I'm going to drive around on it for three days. I'm going to pull out a notepad and write out some some thoughts, some bullet point, bullet point, bullet point, bullet point. So about four bullet points. And there you go. That gives me my I already know what A.M.'s rhyme scheme is. And him and I are very good at mimicking each other's rhyme schemes i think we're both very structured well like once we figure out the multiple rhyme scheme we can do the same shit but Mm. where i get my points is i want to touch on like i'm doing a record with my nephew crux and jose that you guys know it's called clown in the carnival and i'm sitting there i already wrote wrote out my little cheat sheet i'm like trapeze artist ringmaster fighting a bear bearded woman i already know what my bars are going to be like i now just gotta put the dots together so that's how i write Gotcha.
0: So right, right here for you, Doc. If you
1: could have a beer or
0: a coffee with anybody, dead or alive, who would it be?
1: Damn, Am Jim, psychological. That's AM. that. That psychological psychology degree he's got. I would say two people, um, three people. I'll say three people. Number one, and he knows this already. I think we've had this discussion before. I want It wouldn't be a coffee. It'd probably be a beer or a shot with my dad. But my dad, I'd like to know why, and get some unanswered questions answered. You know, and is even proud of what I'm doing and like how I'm helping friends and child and all that stuff, wife, everything. So, dad, and a combination of I'd love to sit down with Martin Luther King and oh. Adolf Hitler. <laughs> really? I would like to think what they, what was their process to get people to buy into what I, I know Martin Luther King, I've read some bios on him and. He would write out the entire speech, and then when he three quarters of the way through it, realize that it's not hitting the people like it's supposed to, and freestyle the last quarter of it. And I think I think are, AM and I are similar like that, but at the same time, I think AM yeah. is like way, way less similar to that. All of that's just freestyle for AM. But I would love to sit down with them and know if like, do they even like my style? Do they like what I'm doing? Do they like what I'm preaching? What I'm teaching? Am I touching the people? So those would be the three people I'd want to drink. Maybe not a coffee, but a drink or a beer or, or a shot or cocktail with. Okay.
0: So, yeah. you know, now now for your real question. That was just my my personal question. Okay. Uh, do you listen to or prefer a podcast? You know, so which ones do you listen to most?
1: All right. So you keep it in the podcast because this is our pilot podcast. Who's our <laughs> competition? <laughs> I, I, I was raised for most of my life. I grew up in South Florida. So my mentor is DJ EFN. I loved what he did. Coming up as DJ, his mixtapes, Crazy Good Productions, Garcia is a personal friend of mine. Drink Champs is one of my favorite podcasts ever. A million dollars worth of game is really dope. I love my little brother and I, Dan Man and I love Joe Rogan's podcast. I love UFC, so I like listening a.m. to um uh Michael Bisbin and Anthony Leinhardt Smith's podcast. Love. love it. Oh, um uh the era. What was the name of that podcast? The uh the blog era is another, sh- they're more like instead of being podcasts where it's discussions, they'll pick mm-hmm. one topic and give you a history of the topic. I really like that podcast too, probably in the last okay. six, six months, the blog era. All by the way, all those are competitions to us. So <laughs> they are.
0: They definitely,
1: they definitely are. Yeah.
0: I think we should uh, we should have a shot just for uh, to our competition. We're we about to kill it.
1: Absolutely. I really hope Mr. Uh, Mr. Eric, Mr. DJ EFN is watching this. I want you on the show because he uh, has a second child, newly second child. And he's a person that I look up to and I don't want to copycat. So I definitely would love him to be on our show and give us our blessing. Give us his blessing. Yeah. So. Salud. Salud.
0: So this is to AM. This is kind of yeah. more of a... A personal type question, just for the Yo, hear candy, my voice candy, people.
1: candy. You got to say it right. This is more of I want to start some bullshit with <laughs> AM. Um, Doc, Tron- a <laughs> Doc, Tron- Doc over
2: here. Trying, you know what? Go ahead, Doc.
0: So outside Trust of yourself, you. who's a couple HM HMV artists? Would you hear my voice? Uh Would you often enjoy listening the lyrics of the most? And most importantly, why is it Raul? Shout out my boy. And it's,
2: Ra- <laughs> it's, Ra- it's not Raul. It's not Raul. It's not Cynic, It's not Doc. It's not Crush. It's Booty. It's Booty.
1: Booty ain't part of my voice. I don't know. <laughs> by the, by the way. You guys are way, sleeping there, on Raul. You're candy, Candy, on Raul. Candy. There may be shots in a future record coming at Mr. A. Booty from the UK that <laughs> he can't take personal criticism. And I think I've been the nicest person to him. So, But I, I don't want to <laughs> take A.M. Spotlight. Who are like the top like one or two people you listen to and hear my voice that you, you respect their lyrics. You would say
2: think- it. Because
1: I have to outright you both. So that's, 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 and that, and this is not me being mean to anybody else. So, so, deep, so, deeper question, deeper question. Why Cynic and then why me?
2: Cynic because I've been around him and I, I have had to rewrite verses. You for the same reason, right? Um, I don't like rewriting verses. That's just my thing. Don't make me fucking rewrite a verse, right? So,
0: <laughs> I'm
2: gonna do if it. I do a song with. But that, and that's the, so the thing is like when I do a song with both of y'all, I have to make sure that I kill y'all out the gate, right? You so know, do you rewrite it back.
0: just because you feel like it's not as it's a little closer than you think? So you got you got a one up them, or do you re- rewrite yeah. it just so you hit points better than they do? Uh, like kind of towards the song.
2: So Doc is gonna hit points better than me in general because that's what he writes. Um, mm-hmm. But if he if he punches harder than me, I'm a, I'm gonna make sure battle rap wise, like I'm am I'm gonna sit there and I'm gonna say I'm gonna write more another, another punch. If I if that probably- I think
0: we should have like a hear my voice diss track just to each other. That'd be pretty dope.
1: Speaking of like which, this. the people that listen to this, we have future plans for an EP coming out, and maybe not a battle, but thinking back to the Wu Tang early '90s era when Method Man albums to Cal came out, there was a record Meth vs Chef who could kill the bur- the 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 beat best. Could have it. And I would love one day to do that with AM. Like, I would love to be meth for a chef. He could be chef. I could be meth. He could be meth. I could be chef. I just want to body him. That's all I want. <laughs> I'm here for it. And I will, I will do my best to body you.
0: So, right here for AM, uh, as a radio reviewer, explain how you personally approach each one of your single reviews.
2: I throw paint at a fucking wall. That's that's who I am. Doc <laughs> literally explains that he rides around and he, he will write for three or four days, and I know that Doc will ride around listening to the songs for more than one day. I just started listening to the songs more. I do it in real time, and y'all, could, y'all should be able to see it in the, in the reviews. I'm like, all right, man, this hooks up. Okay, the verse is all right. This is the up. So, I want to hear it the first time and get my ideas, because mm-hmm. the more I listen to something, the more I listen yeah. to something, give me a second. Oh,
0: my goodness. <laughs> no nah, but i i kind of that's what was my initial approach but just because there were some songs that i kind of like hey you know like it's not that bad i had a different kind of uh feeling towards it and i just you know what this song is okay i'm a i'm a weak bump instead of a weak dump so i kind of changed my approach I, I gotta listen to them for a couple days
1: candy let me tell you something about am so you know how like Cruxon got one. Rob got one. You might have even got one. Like, there's slap on the wrist for Media Base when we turn in those reviews to the. Radio. Oh yeah. Oh, I don't um, think I've gotten one yet, or you. No, for me. I don't think you got one. A, a bad one yet, but um, AM used to get bad ones, and and, and if they're repetitive ones, usually he knows I do this. I'll try to protect you guys. I ain't gonna let you get all mm-hmm. the slap on the wrist. I'll take the slap on the wrist. They'll be mad about. You need to compare these records with the catalog of these albums, and AM will never do that. <laughs> nope.
0: Nope. <laughs> I, I kind of just compare them to like, as a radio listener.
1: Yeah. Well, and again, you, know what you I mean? gotta think. You gotta think of this like if you've been a fan. Like, what's a rapper that you really respect from like the '90s or or 2000s yeah. since you're young?
0: 2000s. Uh, well, Eminem. Like that guy's been Eminem. everywhere.
1: So if Eminem yeah. dropped a record tomorrow, you naturally—the way the, the his label wants us to review that—is compare it to an Eminem record from that was a hit. I won't say the sure, word. So
0: I do that because they're—they're they're like uh, this past Post Malone song. I don't think it was a bad song. It's just it's not Post Malone's best work. I don't feel like it's fair to compare Post Malone to Post Malone. You know what I mean?
1: But, but that's what the label wants to do. Yeah. And they, they, that's what they're deciding to give him for that record a $2 million budget or a $500,000 budget based on our review. Yeah. So that's where I kind of go that way. Um, but I agree with AM Like at the same time. I mean, does the vibe sit well with me? Does it fit the current market? But I think a perfect example is that the baby record that we all reviewed, this is the current market, the, the Jersey, Baltimore house style. And he failed miserably at it for me. <laughs> I mean, he, he's still getting blackballed. And he's getting black yeah. blood on top yeah. of it. On top of it. So is it the black blood to it that making it fail? Or the fact that he would sound unconfident and clumsy on it? It might be a little bit of both.
0: So like just to talk trash on an artist and just because I personally don't like the dude. I don't and this is before he had the miss. I, I don't like Travis Scott's music. Like he has some dope hits. I don't I don't like him like as a person or as an artist. I, I don't
1: I, I like that you brought that up because 'cause you're in Texas. The magic part of that is AM and I have talked about this multiple times on phone calls. Mm -hmm. We all have an artist that we gravitate to and we'll cheerleader for. And then we all do that's Big
0: Sean. I love Big Sean.
1: You love Big Sean. I like I love Big Sean too. Um even that he's got his own label, FF to death now. And he had the opportunity to sign to Kendrick Lamar, and he didn't. Mm -hmm. So I think he failed there. But (laughs) but then there's vice versa that there are artists that are actually very talented that we will just kodak black i've never bumped i think i've bumped one song of his it was a record with him t-pain and rick ross that's it i have never
2: was
1: florida boy or something like that something it was definitely florida boy yeah so that was the only verse i've ever heard from kodak heard from kodak black that like actually spoke to me and told a story and was audible because i I know A.M., and A.M. can definitely stick up for himself. I know A.M. will never bump a Fat Joe record. Fucking hate him. Mm. I knew you were talking about Fat Joe this whole time. Fuck that Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I strong bumped all the way up, and that shit became a monster hit record. And I'm taking a shot. Oopsie. Oh, fuck.
0: Yeah. Oh, man.
1: Ah. <laughs> it's single hit I, record. I actually,
0: I actually enjoy Fat Joe. Me too.
1: A.M. Hey, I, agree it's my, it's my with, I agree with I agree with AM. I agree with AM that I feel like the joke about him having fat uh big puns rhyme book, salut. Yeah. No. Uh, was big pun more pal- talented <laughs> than Fat Joe? Absolutely, but Fat Joe has such a consistent catalog of hits. I mean, it's like
0: you know what's weird. I and it, it's just stuff that I kind of figured out. Artists that I enjoy, I end up they end up having like interviews in like their daily life or they get kind of personal with some stories i end up really connecting with them it's the, like, wow, that, like it's
1: the artist that you can't connect with that you don't like right
0: yeah and, and that has nothing to do with like I'll, i won't like their music then i find out more about them like man this guy's an asshole like maybe that's why i don't like his music now exactly to doc what, what's the best career decision you've made you've ever made uh what's the worst career decision you ever made
1: Yo, I got to give props to A.M. He's asking some really good questions. Uh, that's
0: actually some really good questions.
1: Um, best career decision I've ever made. In retrospect, at the moment, I hated it. L- allowing my wife to talk me into moving away from South Florida. That was the best career decision I've ever made in my life. We were able to get a house that was four times the size of South Florida for seventy-nine, seven hundred dollars and now the markets ballooned up so much in the last 11 years that 11, 12 years that no home in my neighborhood's like lower than like 430, 450. So oh, wow. That was, yeah. So it's like that was the best timing. The, the recession hit. I got laid off. I couldn't find a job for 10 months. She couldn't find a job down there, but then she found a job in Central Florida. And I fought tooth and nail. All my family, all my friends, all my schools, all my battle leagues all my music, all my conferences, everything was in South Florida. My, I had no DJ gigs in, in Central Florida. So I was mm-hmm. fighting her tooth and nail moving up here. It took about 10 years, a decade. But every time we drive yeah. down, we drove down to South Florida to visit family, I would want to leave so quickly. And on the drive back, I'm like, why the fuck do I come down here? <laughs> so it, it took, she goes, what did you say? <laughs> so it took me a decade to get to that point, but that's the best decision I ever made. I mean, we're good with money, we're good with jobs, we're good with location. We're still a little private where we live at, so like when you guys come here and visit, we can throw a party and not get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, I think that's the best career decision I ever made in my life, or allowed Gene to talk me into making my life. And I was being an asshole about it. I didn't want to leave. Worst career decision was going to college. The very first year, I I was still double majoring copyright trademark law and civil engineering. I was actually a mechanical engineer major and my what do you call it? Uh, admin or moderator. What, what do you call a person that talks to you? Not a counselor, but a.
2: I know what you're talking on. Yeah, you're registrar. About. Per,
1: yeah, whoever it was. talked me into no civil engineer is the way to go because you're the person that pulls together all the engineers and you're the first person to get paid. Great idea. Hard major. So I, I didn't get my straight A's in that. <laughs> and then when I got my dream job, like I didn't even really have to apply for my dream job. Headhunters came after me. That's how good the market was. And then 2008 rolled around and the market the, the recession happened. And I was one of the first 31 people laid off. Like we don't need civil engineers. We don't need a third party to pull everyone together. We could just talk to each person. Mm-hmm. So me changing that degree probably was probably one of my worst decisions.
0: So for AM, with the twisted critics as a you know as a brand, what do you what do you look to get out of it, and where do you think you're going to accomplish?
2: Um, having a voice larger than the voice that I already have, because I already do two different podcasts. Me and Heavy haven't haven't restarted ours, but we are. So doing a podcast like this, branded in what me and Doc are already doing for me, I feel like easy. Right. It's going to be a very, very fun, 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 fun thing. So what I, what I think that I'm going to get out of this is going to be it's going to be exposure for me. It's going to be exposure for everyone and hear my voice. And hopefully
1: me and Doc and you, Candy, start getting some money. Oh, oh yeah, for sure. Money. I agree with him a thousand percent. We are trying to present trends that we numbers, stats, that we <clears> could <throat> take an artist that's unknown. Let's take our mutual boy, Raul. 18 or 19 monthly followers. We threw him on the Twisted Critics VIP podcast playlist, and we yep. haven't even had an episode yet. And he climbed up to 301, 302 monthly listeners. Maybe I'm one of those monthly <laughs> listeners, but at the same time, <laughs> I want to use those percentages and we want to prove to artists that we can make them blow up a thousand percent better than they are. I think it's a bigger voice, a bigger podium. We are experts at different things in this music business, and I think the comparisons, agreement and debates will, you know, show that. And like you said, this is another stream of income coming in. So I agree with him on every answer he gave.
0: <laughs> so for you, Doc, how will
1: you know you've made it? Hey, I made it already. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'll say this. I want to be the voice for major labels to listen to, to get their legal business off the ground and instructions from. That's when I'll know I made it, made it, made it. So that's the easiest way to answer that.
0: Okay. So and for the podcast, who would be your top two or three dream guest interviews for let's say for twisted critics?
2: Million dollars worth of game. Joe Button. Probably uh I like the guys on I Am Athlete.
1: Oh yeah. Right.
2: And, uh, and it's it's another one where they separated from that. I can't remember uh, the yet. pivot. And if I could just yeah, I love I love both of those shows. Right, I would love to do an interview with those. I did, I did
0: four, four, and it's more than four people. But that, that, that's my now. Nah, I just want to party with Channy, man. <laughs> with Channy, share stories. That guy's oh, a, a story. Oh man, that guy's a a savage. I know for me, probably one of my dream interviews would probably be for sure. Uh, Big Sean.
1: Am lead us into my favorite part of the show. Second, number
2: five. It's going to be 100% facts. With this segment, each week we'll start to get into the guts of radio success. Facts about how artists are performing at radio and what dot J does for work at Media base Do you care to go into a little bit of what you do?
1: I have no problem doing that, sure. At Urban Radio Spins, as a Ray Urban Radio Spins analyst and a coordinator for reviews, I primarily oversee verifying song copyrights and ownership contacting terrestrial radio station PDs, which are program directors, to monitor weekly spin counts. On Sundays, I do the media-based math to build the rank charts. Those get sold to Billboard, and then you see on Monday the Billboard charts. And at the end of the every quarter, we execute radio performance royalties to the listed artists on the copyright. So basically, I pay the artists that are on the copyright of these songs that you're on radio every quarter.
0: So I, I really didn't know all that went into... Like into that whole process, I just thought people uploaded songs and then with popular popularity in the band, it just kind of organically, they got airplay and became hits like anything else. It's an easy process. Is there any actual definition of a hit and how lucrative in terms of money is
1: radio to an artist? Candy, you make me get very close to saying the WFW with that question. Right? <laughs> I'll try my best without saying it. So popularity views, streams and all that stuff helps. But to the industry, those are just vanity stats because one, they don't come with verified ownership, publishing rights, or any registration whatsoever. And then two, a lot of these views and streams could be farmed, they could be manipulated, they could be bought, and they can't be validated. So, I mean, there are some artists that will brag about having 500,000 to a million views, but they can't sell one CD. So, it really depends on how you tap into your fan base. Easiest way I can explain it to both of you guys is what I say at conferences, think of a new rap song as a new car. Can, we phys- can, can AM physically drive this new rap song, this new car after his parents taught him how to drive it? Sure he can. He won't get in an accident. He knows how to make a left turn. He knows how to use his blinker. He knows how to make a right turn. He knows how to drive. I don't care how many people like or hit like or how many friends he gave a ride in this car. If he gets pulled over without having a driver's license for this car, Regardless of how many people like it or if he knows how to drive, he's likely getting a fine and going to jail because he doesn't have a copyright. And that's what music business is. Without a copyright, without registrations, without performance rights, you don't get that end of being a rap artist. You're just a viral star for one second. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what music business is right now. Close to 90,000 songs are being uploaded to platforms per day. Of those 90,000 songs, 94% of them aren't actually owned. So, therefore, mm-hmm. someone like me doesn't have to pay 94% of those 90,000 songs. Simple right. fact. Exactly. Yes, it's a process. The start, it, it all starts with a copyright, performance rights, registering it, et cetera, et cetera, before you publicly release it. The big word is before publicly releasing yeah. it. Everyone will throw it up on the social media, YouTube, and they already ruin their profits. And yes, by our and Performance Rights Org's definition, a song becomes a hit 95,000 spins per quarter at radio. And there's obviously tiers to different types of radio structure. Like, are you being played on a college radio, satellite radio, terrestrial radio? Each of them pay increasingly different. Um, At college radio, you get six cents per play. At terrestrial radio, you get 9.8 cents per play and somewhere in the range of that. But if you have a hit... Single? Oopsie. Oh, fuck. You get a financial uh, boost as well. Versus streaming at radio, we pay 2,780% more per per individual stream or spin and more money than internet does. And that's before Spotify takes the 30% off the top for their fee. And before they cut out your freemium decreases for the accounts that are playing you without, without paying for their account. That's how I break down the 100% facts. Radio, we pay differently than, than internet. You know what I'm saying? So
0: Yeah, that's actually like a whole lot of good information, especially for an up-and-coming artist who doesn't really have a whole, not- a whole lot of knowledge just on the music business. But uh, here we're going to move on to the number one spot. So uh, let's see who actually performed the best at radio last week and snatched the tippy-top spot on the, spot, on the, the chart. The
1: tippy-tippy top. All right, at Urban yeah. Radio last week that we calculated last Sunday was Creepin' by Metro Boomin featuring The Weekend and 21 Savage. It had over 4,858 spins per day at National Radio, and it's already platinum as of February 27th this year.
2: Andrew, <laughs> boneroso. Sorry, y'all. It was shipped 12 22 by Boominati Republic Records. Debut at number 39 on Irvin and number 25 on Club. Produced by Metro Boomin, Boomin and Dahila. It samples Mario Winans and Diddy's 2004 hit, I don't wanna talk. Winans himself returned to contribute backing vocals along with Travis Scott, already a big hit and likely the largest on Metro Boomin's recent album. Plus right now it's getting another radio boost from the recent remix featuring Diddy that they just released at the end of March.
1: I was saying it's a a new record. It's a big record. And I think them doing that remix with Diddy kind of makes it full circle because Diddy and Winans were in the original. Mm
0: -hmm. And it's
1: just kind of like when Little Nas X did Old Town Road, he brought in different features to keep it staying at number one. I think that's what Metro Boomin's doing. He's keeping it at number one for a little while. So it's going to be a big hit for a while.
0: So here we have new breaking singles. Here on each episode, we're going to quickly break down which new singles are entering the Urban Radio Charts Looks like we have four of them this time around.
2: Even though you hate the song, even though you hate the song, guys. Shake something by the baby. Shift the radio on 52623 and it debuted at number 37 Urban with over 963 spins per day last week. Distribu- distributed by SCMG Interscope. Produced by Charlie Heat and also debuted at 46 on Rhythmic and Club Station.
1: I agree with that. I think that was more of a club record than a radio record, but who cares? (laughs) Another new breaking record this week was Area Codes by Kaylee. It shipped uh, to radio on April 14th, 2023. It debuted at number 43 at Urban with over 804 spins per day last week. It's distributed by Trump Card Incorporated and Atlantic Records. It's produced by Tate Kabang and YG Beats. Currently viral with over 545 million TikTok views. I think that's what's boosting it to radio, by the way. And it's also being shipped to Rhythmic and Urban Club stations. I, I foresee it charting there within a week or two as well. Yeah, it's an interesting record.
2: That's, that's actually really dope to see this name. Tate Ben is an artist from Baltimore. He had been having legal issues, and he has not recorded anything. So I guess he said, I'm going to go ahead and start producing. That's really awesome to see his name on there. For me, we have Bop's. Koi, I never say her name right. Koi Coiler. Ship the radio. Ship the radio on five five twenty three debut at number forty four at Urban With over seven hundred and forty four spins per day last week, distributed by Upcount two point Republic, produced by Johnny Goldstein. he sounds uh also currently at number nineteen on
1: Rhythmic and Club Station. And the last breaking record this week, the debuting record was "I'm Geeking" by D.D.G. featuring Little Taylor, or Little Tyler. I'm sorry. Shipped to Radio 42723, debuting at number 45, right at the bottom of the charts, with 665 spins or more per day last week. Distributed by Epic Records, where I used to work at. <laughs> Produced by Earl on the Beats, Beats by Bang, and Tom Levesque. That's a lot of producers. And also debut number forty-two on uh, rhythmic club stations as well.
0: So what's pretty awesome about some of these songs is about three to four of them, uh, they we actually review them, and you know y'all can check it out on our review panel. Just because I want to, you know, stir the pot a little bit, you know, let's go ahead and start with Shake Some. I know you guys agree a lot on that. <laughs> we, he hates it, but what I what
2: I what I thought, you know, I know he came to Baltimore and he tried to do a let's call it the spanky Leg. It's it's a dance that we do that we shake our legs, right? And uh, he he did it with some <laughs> local dancers here, and he did a horrible job, but it was funny to me. The beat itself reminds me of a Philly, Baltimore, and a Jersey kind of trend. And I enjoy this particular trend because I grew up and I still dance to this. I actually have a couple of uh, songs right now that I've been dancing to or by TikTok that has this, this club thing that they've been doing, but I think that it will get a lot of plays in certain regions, like here, Jersey, Philly. Uh, and I think that it's gonna go viral on TikTok because of it being a dance song, right? That we well, used to have dance songs back in the day like 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 uh Soulja Boy doing to you, but these are literal dance songs now. Like you're gonna actually have people out here pop locking, not doing that that silly TikTok two movement thing. Said it's gonna be forty fifty urban, forty fifty club, and I gave it a weak bump. I know it's blackballed and the mix and EQs. Not the best. The vocals the vocals were a little too loud for me. And I think I I rated it low by mistake. Doc,
1: you told me that. Yeah. It's debuting at number 37 on club. So you would already be wrong with your prediction. Just a little bit. To go against AM, and and, and to defend myself a little bit, I didn't hate it. Strong dump is hate it. Weak dump is dislike it. Weak bump is I like it. Strong bump is I love it. So to me, I disliked it. But where I disagree to AM is what I said on May 25th when we reviewed it. Formally, I said the baby's new single is a Jersey Philly house club type of song for twerkers. Charlie Heat laces a basic rowdy loop of metallic synths, stock hi hats, siren alarms, and punchy 808s. Sort of a cheap knockoff of Little Uzi Vert's "I Just Wanna Rock You," which I strong dumped. <laughs> beat has potential. I do like the beat a little bit. Yet not all rappers can ride this type of style. Vocals are better mixed and less mumbled than Uzi's. So that's why I'm not strong dumping this. But for the baby, this is done in such a confident, lacking, choppy, uncomfortable flow that I just couldn't get with. Real short to it, just two minutes long. It's viral for sure, but very below average, forced and uninteresting. It's not a strong radio single to me. It yeah. gets spins because his name, even if he's being blackballed. So I'm guessing 15 to 25 at Urban and 15 to 25 at Club. But it's really unmemorable to me, so I gave it a weak dump. I didn't hate it, but I just like.
0: So obviously, you guys agreed a whole lot. <laughs> so, uh, kind of describe what y'all think about area codes.
1: Oh, by Kaylee, so. okay. On five twenty-five, when we reviewed this together, me and Am um, and the rest of the, the the panel, I said modernized, snap-heavy, TikTok twerky flip of Ludacris's two thousand and one hit, co-produced by Tate Kumbang and YG Beats. It's a minimalistic beat of some slow looping bass drums and finger snaps. Odd of Kaylee being from and born in ATL, yet the song sounds very Cali to me. Very Cali vibes I got from it. A calmer, bassy cadence and her basic lyrics get way more raunchier than Ludacris's. Lyrically, it's a girl p- point of view of the amount of hoes that she has in every code, including the bros. I get the topic. I mean, it, it makes sense. Uh, it's not trash. I don't hate it. But only thing I like about it her silly ad libs. I didn't really like her lyricism. I didn't like the hook. I didn't like the beat. Possibly young girl, it girl type of hype. And I think it has some TikTok appeal. But it's short, lazy, and a bit boring to me. Nonetheless, it's viral. It's a major label budget now that she's signed. And I feel it will chart in the 20 to 30 range at club and 40 to 50 range at urban. But it'll be short lived.
2: So what I said, I said, I heard this today, and I hated it. <laughs> I should have gave it a strong dump. The lyrics weren't bad, but they weren't good. The lyrics were bad. The beat felt like it was made at a, at a lunch table with the <clears throat> shit that we used to do with the pens and whatnot. That's what it felt like to me. It was mixed like shit. The lyrics are boring, and the ad-libs need to be thickened better in the EQ. I couldn't listen to it the other day when I first started listening to it, and I cannot now. Why the fuck is she whispering? And the hook is trash. Forty fifty club, and I said it's not going to chart in
1: urban. <laughs> it's going to chart in urban, bro. Uh, <laughs> it
0: is. So, uh, y'all kind of that for sure.
1: But we we agreed on that at least. So yeah, okay,
0: we, we agreed on. What about Coyla Ray? I said the song will do well because of
2: her recent painting. Like she's famous, yeah, uh, and she she's she's very uh, polarizing with her little booty. I like her <laughs> on a lot of songs. But this song, I think, is right up the middle for me. I like the vibe in the lyrics, the production. Uh, for me, I, I wasn't really feeling it. It was like a boring and beat, uh, and the piano. Doc, you know I'm big on pianos. If the piano's bad, I'ma say it. The piano in this track is fucking lame. The mix on it is good. I enjoyed the mix, but I just hated the beat. The beat was actually mixed good, right? I just hated it. Everything about the beat hated it. I liked the first verse the most, and I enjoyed the second part of the hook, which is almost like a bridge. Uh, it made me want to dance. Uh, right up the middle for me, but it was not enough for me to hate the song. Twenty Thirty Club, and I don't think it's going to chart in the urban. I
1: Thank agreed you. with AM on the rating, but I didn't hate the beat at all. What I said on Five Twenty Five was cool, little high energy early two thousands club bot. I'm impressed by producer Johnny Goldstein because he usually does beats for like Selena Gomez and Justin Bieber and artists like that. But this Trouble is a pop rap song. Yeah, he's way more pop than rap. So this is interesting. I'm impressed by him by the, the vibrant cowbells, the spacey synths, the heavy bass, the infectious claps. It reminds me of what classic Neptune's beat sound like. Not so much Timberland, as AM said. It's well mixed. I like the crisp Coyle Ray vocals for once. Usually her other records, she's a little bit more distorted. Her mm-hmm. composition actually tributes Neptune's as well. I think she even says their name in it a couple of times. It's simple, cocky flow, putting her haters in their place and bragging about her catalog's hits, hence the term bops. It's a tad short and repetitive, yet the dancey beat fuels it, and I think the beat will make it ride. One of the fun, better bops from Coilerae and Vintage, where I envision cats my age, like Harlem shaking to it a little bit, so... I predicted it'll be a five through fifteen at club and a ten through twenty at urban eventually, and it should be considered to be shipped to pop as well, in my opinion. And I'm gonna make them
2: start going higher in my urban.
1: Yeah, you got it. <laughs> All right, so this is another section of 100 percent facts. This is called just the stats instead of just the facts. Now everyone knows I'm a numbers guy, and like the old saying goes, men lie, women lie, but numbers don't. It's about here in every episode that we'll fire through the more meaningful stats and actual movement on the national charts at Urban Radio and giving our opinions. So, A.M., hey, why don't you kick it off the best risers right now?
2: Biggest three risers this week's going to start off with All My Life. like a little dirt feature in J. Cole. Up 10 spots from 26 to 16. 51.9% more spins. Now it has 2,722 spins per day. Always by Daniel Caesar. Fucking love that song. Up nine spots from 44 to 35, 29.3% more. Now it's going to be 1,011 spins per day. Peaches and eggplant. Hate the fucking song. Up eight spots from 38 to 30, 40.2% more. Now it's 1,489 spins per day.
1: 2,722 spins per day for that Dirk and Cole record is fucking awesome. Candy, why don't you go into the, the biggest drops of this week?
0: So the biggest three drops of the week is, number one, Do You Mind by Vito featuring Chris Brown. It went down nine spots from 25 to 34, so it's getting 44.9% less now, so they're hitting about 1,036 spins a day. Number two, we have Painting Pictures by Superstar Pride. It's down eight spots from 6 to 14, 28.2% less. Now it's it's still hitting uh, 2,784 spins a day, so it's still getting a good amount. Uh you got number three, which is forever, Little Baby and Friday. Down seven spots from 17 to 24. It's down 18.1% less now. And it's still getting uh, 1993 spins a day.
1: That that painting pictures, that that superstar pride, that's an indie record. I'm actually surprised it went so high to number six. So I think I was even wrong with that in my review. So that's a little props to that. But I'm going to close out this section, just the stats, and I'm going to go over respect to the indies. We're going to talk about the top four indies that are performing better than mainstream artists. Mm -hmm. Uh, At number one, we have Already Know by Young Puda, Angelica Villa, and A Boogie with a Hoodie. It's up to 28 on the urban charts with 1,572 spins per day, and that's a 2.1% increase. Number two is Stop Playing With Me by Pretty Porcelain. It's up to 33 on the charts. 1,150 spins per day. That's up 2.6%. Mm-hmm. Number three, Fake Love by Tink. I actually really like that record. It's up to 38 with 930 spins per day. That's a 9.8% increase. And the biggest increase of the week is number four, I'm Baby, Ambre and Jack James, which was a huge R&B, adult R&B hit. But now on the, indie ch- on the urban charts, it's up to number 40 with 887 spins per day and 11.1% increase.
0: So this next segment we got is going to be called Radio Rips this week. So
1: <laughs> as the a- title suggests that that yeah. that uh that my boy Candy said this is our section where we give a final farewell to the urban songs or artists who officially died and fell off the charts and out of national rotation So we're
0: gonna hit in the ending of March 29, 2023.
1: That's where we're killing them off at, and that's where they fell officially off the charts. These This week we had five condolences that we equally have to pay respect to. Some of them I'm sad about. Most of them I'm very happy about. So, Candy, since you knew it this, why don't you kick it off first for us?
0: First one, we got players by Quilla Ray. It shipped early early December, had a six-month run at peak number one. Earned a gold plaque. Shout out to her. That's dope. I just started playing a stupid, freaky
2: T-song by Tia uh, Corin. Uh, Shipped early April, two-month run, and it peaked at number 16. I like the
1: song. I like the beat. I I like the beat, too. I don't like the song, but I like the beat. I Got No Love by J.K. Mack. That's an indie record. It was shipped early February, had a four-month run, and peaked at number 14 on Urban Charts. We got
0: Seven Rules by Lil' Donald. It shipped late February at three-and-a-half-month run. It peaked only at 27. Still great, but...
1: Being my the one thing heart. I like about that record before I digs into that, the one thing I like about the record, I know his manager. I know the label they're at. They're not signed to a major. They don't have a major budget. So for an indie record to kind of have that three and a half month run, and they're yeah. really trying to do it with a physical run where they're like selling singles and merch at every stop they go to. I have a lot of respect for that record, actually.
0: Especially top 30. It's not bad at all. Mm-hmm. I agree. Right now, the last one is going to be just want to rock by little uzi
2: vert shipped late november 6.5 month run peaked at number one and it earned a two times platinum plaque
1: double platinum
0: so doc i just want to ask you to be a little petty which one of these do you think or are you most happy about that's kind of you know died
1: off i mean you saw me when i did my thumbs down when i was talking um Okay. Of all those records, okay, I pr- I pretty much liked all those records except Uzi Vert's uh, "Just Wanna Rock." I'm very upset that that went to number one, and the fact that it's double platinum. I think six and a half months on radio was way longer than it should have been. But hey, whatever. It's a new wave. That Jersey Baltimore clubs co- house is trying to come back into you know into the public scene. Whatever. What about you, Am? Which one am I happy? I'm
2: not I'm not necessarily happy about India. I'm dying. Uh, mm-hmm. But since I kind of just got to the 3 T song, I would just say that one. And I'm not saying that I'm happy about it dying, but I do see why I did that.
0: A.M., get your hat ready. <laughs> I got it. So this is one of my favorite parts of uh of the show where we make the, you know, the listeners, people who met, emailed in their questions, the stars of the show. Uh, A.M., you got your hat ready?
2: I do, I do, I do. Copy, copy. If you don't or did not know already, we have a Facebook fan page. It's www.facebook.com slash 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 Twisted Critics. A mailing list if you aren't already subscribed. Please, please do that. And we have a Twisted Critics business email. It's going to be twistedcritics@mail.com, not Gmail. And y'all should know because we blasted y'all shit for the last three weeks about things like this podcast. All right, so where anyone can send in music biz questions that they would like a deep dive and answers to. Each episode, Candy will send over all the questions that we received, and I will blindly select two of the lucky fans for me and Doc to answer live on air. So who we have right now, number one, we're going to have Tony Gonzalez from Sleepy Hollow, New York.
1: Okay, so hold on. Tony Gonzalez is the original Twisted Critic. That's my cousin, so it's only natural that we answer his question fully. What is Tony Gonzalez's question, Ian?
2: What he wants to know. When an artist is signed to a record label, are they considered an employee or an independent contractor? He also wants to know, is it the same? What's the difference?
1: Let me answer this as simply as I can. So it's neither, Tony. All right. So when you're signed to a label, you are a client of theirs. An employee would be someone that actually works for the label full time or part time. You went through a, you know a, an actual job hiring process where you got interviewed. And then the benefit with that is you actually get benefits, health benefits, dental benefits, retirement plan, pension, and all that. The second one you said was what, an independent contractor, AM? Yeah, independent contractor was the second one, yeah. All right, so independent contractor, Tony, is someone that the the label contracts for a time-length contract. It could be six months, it could be three years, whatever it is, for a specific service. So, like, that'd be someone hiring you for a work-for-hire journalist or someone like me for doing copyright coordination, or for someone to coordinate the record pool to get their reviews like like AM and I do on the panel and Candy does now too. Those are all independent contractors. So you're neither an employee or independent contractor. When you sign a contract with a label, you are actually a client of theirs. And you have to adhere to everything you agreed to and negotiated in that contract for the time length of that contract. The minute you sign that, you're stuck to all those clauses that are in that contract. Definitely isn't the same as the other two because the other two come with pay. <laughs> I mean, you don't get paid. You do get paid as an artist. You you sign a contract, you get paid a certain amount of percentages, but they come with benefits and the artist doesn't really get those benefits. So huge difference. All right. So I will pull from the hat right now. Thank you, Candy, for sending these emailing these over, by the way. Gotcha. You, gotcha. You. I will pull. You got. We've got Grayson B., an 18-year-old from Lantana, Florida. How do you balance the business side of music with the creative side of music? A.M., why don't you start that off, and I'll chime in once you're done with that.
2: So for, for me, uh, and, it's, and it's awesome because I just got to the point where I'm doing more of the business side. I, I was all creative side. So I have to just make sure that I feed both of my demons, right, and my demons being the business and the creative side meaning i need to make sure that i have all of my ducks in order for all of my copyrights you'd have all of my all of my ducks in order for all of my publishing have all of my ducks in order for all of my sound exchanges and everything that is pertaining to the business side of the music i myself know that it takes a while for these things to get done i have to make sure and ensure that i am uh still writing and putting things out for promotional
1: purposes what you got I will say now that I've moved to the courthouse, I've been heavily on the business side, more than the music side. But I just had a conversation with me and Candy's boy, Raul. When we say a music artist, the typical definition of an artist is 90% business, 10% talent or music talent. He doesn't understand that yet. And I want him slowly. And he knows that. And I want him to slowly understand that there's a definition of a band member or instrumentalist who's a studio rat that does nothing but make music and then a music artist that actually knows the business side 90% of the way at least. So kind of the piggyback of what AM said, you definitely got to have the responsibility in your head to separate those, but you got to know about, you got to actually willingly look out and seek out the education of it, the business side, the copyrights, the performance rights, the registrations, everything. Where, how do I balance them? I've been doing a horrible job balancing them. As you take on more and more artists, You also have to do the business side of them. So it's almost like you got to grow up. My 40 plus year old self has to understand that, hey, if anyone wins, that's also a win for me. You got to set priorities, kind of like when you do school. Maybe that's the nerd side of me and the studio side of me. What's the priority? If I want to only make my music, AM's business side might fuck up. Raul's business side might fuck up. Candy's business side might fuck up. So now I got to take the priority of like, if I don't balance those right, I'm now fucking up three people versus just myself. What helps me a lot is make a calendar, put it on your wall, know when you're doing what I got to stay on, make you guys stay on task. Even if it requires me to stay off task, prioritize what's more important. Think about who gets hurt most. If you don't do something and prioritize those in order and knock them out in order. There's also a thing called the snowball effect that I learned from Dave Ramsey. Try to take the easier ones and knock those out quickly. And then you can work on the harder ones easier and you have less things on your to-do list. That's a big, that's a big thing to help me out. So it might help you out too, uh, Grayson.
0: I like that. I'm a a So the one that I chose, it's gonna be by Andrew C, aka Drew Story from Claremont, Florida. If you make a song using an exclusive beat bought from a producer through a company like BeatStar, are you able to have your own copy, your own song copyrighted?
1: so am and candy drew story is a person that's very good friends with my brother-in-law uh alberto he's a rock artist that goes by drew story and he actually lives here in claremont that's cool that we picked his shit he's got a video that's really floating around right now good kid i love him and i like drinking with him so i would like him to be a future guest on our podcast for sure to bring that rock element to us but to answer his question him and i have had this discussion before are you able to copyright the song well that's the problem with what did you originally sign? Because the, the agreement you signed with the producer on stars, which are generally templates that are illegal to begin with, whatever yep. you sign to, you have to adhere to. And that predates the copyright. So if you sign for exclusive rights to buy a beat, high price, whatever, and it says you can't copyright the record, you can't copyright the record, even if you own the exclusive rights to the beat. AM, do you have any experience with that at all or no? I have a, a couple of beats right now that I had. uh Me and you talked about the one song called
2: Sad Songs that me and Cynic have, uh, we have right now. And I did a Beat Star for the, I, I used Beat Star to get this beat. Really good song, really good song. But I read my contract. I cannot copyright. So I have to figure out a way to lay those vocals over top of something else. That was my first and last time. Yeah. That was my first and last time. Well, and you
1: having me as the broken record in your ear, I hope that's the last time for sure. And for Andrew, yeah. The answer is whatever the contract says. And again, I think you guys are at a disadvantage being younger and this new, in this new generation. Maybe back in our generation, the '90s and 2000s, you actually reached out to producers and met with them in the studio, or got shipped a, a beat disc, you know, an actual beat CD. And no one heard that, but the people they're trying to sell beats to. BeatStars real, I mean, BeatStars in 2022 has about 14 or 15 injunctions that can turn into lawsuits because they're they're illegal templates. A contract for production isn't one size fits all. You have different clauses. You have different things you leverage, different things you negotiate, different clauses you have on there. But if it's exclusive by definition, you should be able to have an, your own ISRC code, your own content ID, and damn sure your own copyright. If You don't have any of those three. You really don't exclusively have the beat. The other thing you got to think about this, Drew, and I know the next time I drink with you, we'll talk about this. Think about how many people bought an exclusive lease or non-exclusive lease to that beat. That many people, that many dozen people have the record out already that you're going to be penalized and cut different forms of profit that you can get from it. i rather work with a producer off of BeatStars that I'm the only motherfucker that heard their beat because when I copyright it, we'll get all 14 forms of monetization. So that's my best advice for you. To answer your question, are you able to? Yes or no, depending on what the copyright says, but you should probably be leaning more to the people that aren't on Beat Stars, where you can write in the contract yourself. I'm allowed to copyright it, and they agree to it.
2: We move it to the fun part, you know. Just in case we haven't drank enough, which I feel like we have. I feel like Doc's talking different. I'm talking different. I can't tell that Candy's talking any differently. But this is this about, about we a may we may change more.
1: that. We may change that right now. What are we doing, Doc? Your boys here at Hear My Voice and Twisted Critics are now Spotify VIP playlist curators. So we'll use this game and segment of the podcast every episode to test our music knowledge, memory, and fast wits. And when I say fast wits, I mean about 10 seconds. A theory proposed in 1929 and resurrected by the film industry in the early 90s, was the seven degrees theory. And this was a joking concept that every actor or actress was somehow related to or a co-star linked to the actor, Kevin Bacon. And by seven connections or less. So we mutually are wanting to test this theory out in urban music business as well. So this is a rapid fire game, roughly 10 seconds per round. So you can't use Google or Wikipedia or nothing like that. No cheating. Where we connect eight records, so seven connections, and whoever messes up those connections, we have to take a shot. So hopefully we messed up none of these, and I ain't gotta take any more shots because I've had enough today. But we'll see what what my boy Candy brings to the table. And for each mistake, you listeners have to take a shot with us. It's only right. So Candy, you being from South Texas, from the Valley as you call it, liking cumbia music, Mexicano. I know you know some rap songs. So who are some, what is one of your favorite rap songs that you can remember that's like? Probably Big Sean, I'll Fuck With You. Okay. I ain't fucking with you. I remember that record. Okay. (laughs) So I got 10 seconds on the clock. I got to connect that to a record through a collabo. I'm going to connect Big Sean to Kanye West, Marvin Gaye and Chardonnay. They both collaborate on it. I like that record a lot and it connects me and Candy with no drinking involved. A.M., your turn. What connects to Kanye West? So I, I, I'm i going to make this. I was not I like making it a little difficult,
2: but I'm not going to make it difficult. Yes, I am. a lot. I'm making it difficult because it's Candy. Candy, it's going to be Kanye West and Twister, and we're going to do Overnight
1: Celebrity. Woo! Just shot. Overnight Celebrity. <laughs> shot. So you got Twister. We're taking a Twister. shot. We're taking a shot. Yeah, I'm <laughs> going to take my <laughs> I wanted you to try, first. I didn't even try it. Oh, hold oh on. That's messed up. So Candy. And I'm gonna only do that for you one time. Next time, I choose Jay Z. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So yeah. I gotta take a shot because of candy. Make me take a shot. Ugh. Candy, when you visit Florida, you're gonna have to try some of this mamawana. My oh, I'm down. My arm hairs are very numb right now. <laughs> Salud. What you should have done to Am was he said what he connected Kanye West to Twista, an overnight celebrity. I'm gonna connect Twista to Jamie Foxx in the single "Slow Jams," which is also ironically produced by Kanye West. That's my pick. So, AM, you got Jamie Foxx. Who are you connecting Jamie Foxx with? You know what's crazy? I don't have anybody that
2: I can connect with Jamie Foxx, and that's bad. That's really bad. All right, so we take I a have shot. All Jamie- but-
1: We're we're, we're taking a shot, but I will give you a lifeline by Wikipedia in it. So I'm going to give you Jamie Foxx. We're going to pick an easy one because I don't want to take any more shots today. All right, so there's another shot. You guys are my proof. I'm not making it up. I'm not cheating you guys. I'm going to take Jamie Foxx and combine them with Ludacris on the record, Unpredictable.
2: Would Would you believe I was singing the song and I said Snoop Dogg, so I was wrong anyway.
1: All right, Candy, can you connect Ludacris with anybody?
0: With Justin Bieber.
1: Ooh, that's, that's a mean one. That's hilarious. So, what's that's the name of the record? Baby, 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 baby. Okay. It's on me. Justin Justin Bieber did a record with Daniel Caesar and Give yeah, Me On. What's it called? Uh, Help Me, AM. It's called. i uh, mm-hmm. Is it called <laughs> Peaches? Peaches. It is called Peaches. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I got out of that without taking a shot. This is going to be a very cool playlist, by the way. (laughs) Right, it is. So last but not least, that was was a train wreck as it was. I think we took three shots for seven or eight records, but that was a lot of fun. Uh, You listeners out there, you can check out on Spotify our VMP playlist called The Seven Degrees from Twisted Critics. We'll have seven new records every week. But take us home, Candy. We got one more slide left, I think.
0: I'm just really, Italy, I can't even speak right now, bro. I don't even feel my tongue. (laughs) That I'm going to study for sure. I'm going to start taking all these hip-hop quizzes. I'm going to start going through all these songs because I don't know if I can handle another one of these. (laughs) Not in the middle of the day. (laughs) Man. Candy killed us, right? He
2: killed us. But it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. We saved him. We saved me. I killed us, too. I feel like it went pretty smooth. But all good things must come to an end. Doc, Candy, I've enjoyed this. You've got to keep enjoying this. I've had a whole lot of fun. I learned a lot. I drank
1: too much. And I cannot wait for the next episode. I can't wait. We're going to have Tony Ganja in here, my blood cousin, and the original Twisted Critic. I just want to give a very special major props to both of y'all, the co-hosts, Rapper AM and Candy Villarel. I'm very happy and real excited that we could connect like this. We made the show a reality, finally. I think AM and I signed the very first contract back in November 2022. This has been a long time coming. Lots of dope uh, convos, radio stats, and guests to come in our near future. Before we get out of here, big ups to you both yourselves. I want both of y'all to plug what you guys are doing next week and what you are planning to do musically, AM you know so candy why don't you kick off first what's what's your next week looking like
0: uh honestly i'm gonna just kind of help grow the podcast a little bit organically and just kind of talk to people and i gonna study a little bit more because <laughs> <laughs> and i was feeling yeah i was feeling it i don't want to talk to them no more
1: we went from here <laughs> to here by the way just letting you know that here. but um yeah that's about it just AM, what you got going on next week and what you planning for the near future musically? I'm running, I'm running tomorrow, running
2: five miles tomorrow, running five miles uh the day after that. So I'm trying to run as much as I can, get my health uh in order. <clears throat> Plug myself. I'm always working on music, always. I have a bunch of EPs that doc knows that I'm working on. Uh I've been producing a whole lot, so I'm gonna try to write more to my own production. Uh, you can find me everywhere. Uh, just look up Angry Man 410. All of my social media, no matter what it is, even even my OnlyFans is connected to that. Um, I have uh, a, a website, rapperamrapperam.com. com. You'll hear me say that all the time on TikTok. I'm probably going to do a bunch of freestyles on TikTok because I do that every single day. I'm probably going to dance tomorrow at this. I'm, I'm sick. I don't know if I don't know if the listeners and doc and, and can't even can hear, but I've been sick. I'm washing my nose for the last couple of minutes. Uh, I'm happy that I was able to make it through. I was able to maybe, able to make it through, but that, that's it. back on.
1: And for me, I yeah, mean, that. it's watching Hoseon going to work at the courthouse. And we're trying to close on a deal with MediaBase and another special company to do a EP. Um, I'm very excited about that because I think AM and I are going to murder every record that we get sent for that. And we'll be producing some of those ourselves. The project that's on the, our horizon for us is called the Firing Squad Funds EP. And like Candy said, I want to promote the hell out of this podcast and get the most views as we possibly can. And I want to beg you guys to check out the VIP playlist on Spotify because AM, Candy, myself, and everyone else want to hear my voice and taking our time to build this playlist for you guys. And the more of you guys that follow and like it, hit that heart button the more money we actually get to make. So, I mean, I, I drink quite a bit. And another thing to that is I'm going to drink another salute to you guys because this wouldn't be a possibility or a real-life thing if you guys didn't join in and do the work with me. So, I appreciate you guys. I also want to
0: shout out Spotify. You know, shout out Doc. It's going to be a good adventure, man. It's going to be awesome.
1: Peace. Have a wonderful day. Have a wonderful weekend. And see you guys in the radio charts next week. There you go. Peace okay. out.